You're listening to the Airline Pilot Guy Show. The view from our side of the cockpit door. WAPG. It's the Airline Pilot Guy. Airline Pilot Guy episode 468. Hello, you're listening to the Airline Pilot Guy Show. The view from our side of the cockpit door. With your host, Captain Jeff, broadcasting live from Studio 1A at APG Headquarters in Roswell, Georgia. Today's show is recorded on the 16th of May, 2021. episode, a British charter takes off heavier than expected because a computer glitch classified 38 adult passengers as children. There's no word on why an Air Force freighter caught fire just after landing at Joint Base Charleston. More news, your feedback, and today's plane tale, the A to J of aviation. So get all settled in, tray tables and seat backs in the upright and locked positions, electronic devices powered on. I'm Radio Roger, and Flight 468 is ready for pushback. Thank you, Radio Roger. He is an award-winning TV and radio reporter, currently at the number one all-news station in the nation, 1010 Winds in New York City. Welcome to the Airline Pilot Guy Show, an aviation podcast covering the latest in aviation news and answering your great feedback. I'm Captain Jeff, a pilot at a major legacy airline based in Atlanta, GA. And joining me today from his studio, his mobile studio in Riverside, California, a world traveler, airplane mechanic, Breitling Cognoscenti, fitness hound, and international air freight captain. It's Miami Rick. Well, that intro, that intro, just great. Thank you so much for uh, all of that. I'm happy to be here. It's going to be another great show. Looking forward to it. Awesome. We are looking forward to it as well. And also joining us from his studio in... In Hartford, Hereford, and Hampshire. One of those. Uh, professional photographer, former RAF, RAAF fighter pilot, retired Airbus A330, A340 captain for Virgin Atlantic Airlines. It's Captain Nick. Hi, Jeff. And uh, I've lost a lot of weight. I don't know if you've noticed. Uh, I've had my haircut. Oh, it's, yeah, it's looking really snazzy, I'd say. Well, I, I thank you very much. Yes. The last the barbers are open here. Well, that's great. And we can talk about it uh, really, really soon. But now well, let's talk about some news. What do you think? Stand by for news. All right. The first item in the news notebook, a TUI plane in serious incident, in quotes, after every miss on board was assigned child's weight. And this is from The Guardian. And let's see. A software mistake caused a TUI flight to take off heavier than expected as female passengers using the title Miss, M-I-S-S, were classified as children, an investigation has found. The departure from Birmingham Airport to Mallorca with 187 passengers on board was described as a serious incident by the Air Accidents Investigation Branch. 
An update to the airline's reservation system. While its planes were grounded due to the coronavirus pandemic led to 38 passengers on the flight being allocated a child's standard weight of 35 kilograms as opposed to the adult figure of 69 kilograms. This caused the load sheet produced for the captain to calculate what inputs are needed for takeoff to state that the Boeing 737 was more than 1,200 kilograms lighter than it actually was. Investigators described the glitch, everything's a glitch, as a simple flaw in an IT system. It was programmed in an unnamed foreign country where the title MISS, M-I-S-S, is used for a child and MS for an adult female, Ms. Despite the issue, the thrust used for the departure from Birmingham uh, Birmingham on 21 July 2020 was only marginally less than it should have been, and the safe operation of the aircraft was not compromised. Uh, the same fault caused two other TUI flights to take off from the UK with inaccurate, inaccurate load sheets later that day. Um, yeah, so, you know, weight and balance and weights and, you know, that kind of thing are important in our business uh, because uh, performance is based, predicated on uh, the weight of cargo, the weight of passengers, etc. And now this, I thought it was kind of surprising to me that they call this a serious incident because it doesn't seem like, I mean, 12, let's see. 11, 1,200 kilograms, it's like 2,600 pounds or something like yeah. that. Yeah, it's uh, over, yeah. Doesn't seem like a huge mistake. But yeah, I mean, and, and again, I'm, I'm with you on that, Jeff. The, uh, um, the figures that we use for uh, figuring out, uh, well, the figures that we used to figure out, uh, that's a good one, to figure out thrust. Figures. Um, <laughs> are, are, exactly. Are, are so conservative and um, that, uh, you know, this is, you know, it, it, I mean, not to take away from the fact that, yes, the, the, uh, the numbers were inaccurate because of the glitch, but... Uh, uh, like I said, these these figures are so conservative that the plane was really, uh, never really in, in, in any real danger. Um, where you run into issues is when uh, you uh, mistake your gross weight for your zero fuel weight, and you put one in the other. Uh, so mm-hmm. when you when you're doing your pre flight, you have to be very very careful to um, put your uh, zero fuel weight value in the zero fuel weight line because. Uh, Oftentimes, uh, zero fuel weight is very much different from your total uh, takeoff gross weight, and in that situation, you can run your you can run into some very very uh, uh, you know um, dangerous uh, scenarios. Uh, a lot of them. Uh, uh, one one that comes to mind is that uh, that three forty out of um, it was Sydney or Melbourne. I forget where they dragged the tail on takeoff. Um, yeah. Uh, almost um, causing an, uh, uh, you know, a <laughs> serious accident down there. Uh, and from experience, um, when there are we we oftentimes deal with, with what's called last minute changes on the load sheet. Um, and so basically, what that ha- what that means is that you'll have your printed load sheet or your 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 load sheet sent to you via ACARS, uh, and there'll be a change of passengers either up or down. And then the thrust adjust, uh, adjustment for the change of weight is so minimal, really, that uh, you know, oftentimes the, the the amount of thrust that you use is the same. And then 
tie onto that the fact that this is why uh, we time our takeoff, like I always say, you know, 80 knots at 20 seconds, it'll give you a good idea of what proper acceleration is, like I've said, you know, over and over on, on the uh, on the show. So, uh, I mean, like I said, not to take it away, but um, uh, there was uh, really no real, real danger uh, to, to speak of here, I, I don't think. But I can see if it Yeah, I, I, I have to agree, uh, Rick. Sorry, Jeff, did I interrupt? No, it was me. We were just sometimes okay. with this internet thing, we can kind of get a little bit our latency is a little bit off, so we end up talking over each other. We don't mean to. Go ahead, please. Yeah, sorry about that. No, yeah, there, there's plenty of um, uh, fat built into the thrust performance of the aircraft. Uh, the problem occurs really when you're approaching uh, either max zero fuel weight or max takeoff weight. Now, those are limits you can't exceed. Uh, you shouldn't exceed. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, if you get airborne, that's, uh, really going to raise a red flag against the company if you've exceeded those limits. Um, but, uh, as you can see by the serious, uh, uh, attitude that was, uh, taken by the civil aviation authority by calling it a funny old thing, a serious incident, they do take, um, misloading of aircraft, um, particularly seriously, because if you put that. 1.2 tons or you know could be like five tons at the wrong end of the airplane when you calculate the loads that can cause a serious trim problem um more practically uh yeah if you realize there's a problem on takeoff you could always you know select the rest of your thrust go toga that will call cure your performance figures but then on a as rick will be well aware on a long-haul flight if you're a little bit overweight uh, and you're trying to go for 15 hours <laughs> by the time you get to your destination, that will have hit your fuel reserves uh, quite a lot if you're a bit overweight and uh, you thought you might have uh, had a bit of spare fuel and you'll find it slowly eaten away during the, mm -hmm. the trip, which can be a bit embarrassing. But um, no, in this particular case, it was a bit of a nightmare. I'm, I'm really concerned more about the um, quality assurance of whoever instigated this uh, software because uh, really and honestly this should have been picked up that's that you know you should put this stuff through a really rigorous check because it's uh, a safety critical calculation uh, and obviously it didn't didn't quite f find all the problems and perhaps that's why the AAIB did term this a serious incident because it could have had a quite an implication if it if the weights had been larger uh, the discrepancy larger so, yeah, and then uh, and just 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 to just to cap this one off here, uh, just you know, just rest easy knowing that the uh, the moment the the flight crew uh, uh, enters the performance information into the flight management system is one of the most checked, double checked, and cross checked um, um, stages in the entire flight because these figures are uh, really what are going to uh, you know. Uh, end up uh, giving you a safe takeoff and all the safety margins um, that come with that. So uh, the uh, that that portion of the flight that's why it's it's it really really up you know upsets me and pisses me off when I have when I'm in the middle of that very critical phase of flight and I have mechanics come in, dispatchers come in, and people ask me because I mean I need to convey with my uh, meet with my first officer and and really you know go through the numbers 
very, very, very intently and very uh, uh, slowly to make sure that we do it right. It's one of the things I love about my new airplane is that um, all of the all those figures come through our A cars, and then we just mm-hmm. punch a button, and it just automatically gets entered into all the right places. And we just have to cross check to make sure exactly. that it's mm-hmm. uh, that it's good. But it's very important, very important stuff. Well, hey, keeping along the same uh, the same lines of weights and weighing. Uh, the next item here, uh, Air New Zealand defends decision to start weighing passengers at Auckland Airport. No way! Yeah, way. Mm-hmm. Get it? See, I'm playing a little play on words there. You like that? No? Okay. That was very good. I Thank like you. Really I like that. Clever. That was so clever. <laughs> clever, yes. Sorry, I was chuckling away, but I have a mic. Okay. All I heard was just a, a bunch of silence. Add All right. the laugh track in. <laughs> Which, add the laugh track. <laughs> yeah, I'll add the laugh track in when I do the post editing. But, you know, honestly, uh, most of the time, that's what I hear after I try to come up with something funny. Just silence. <laughs> Crickets. Oh, you hear this? Yeah. I think you hear this, don't you? Crickets? Yeah? Okay. There they are. <laughs> okay. Let's get on with this. Let's be serious here, shall we? Um, Air New Zealand has been forced to explain its decision to start weighing passengers in their hand luggage before they board their flights. After some customers were taken by surprise by the policy, (gasps) with some passengers worried that stepping on the scales would prove embarrassing, the uh, Kiwi flag carrier was quick to point out that it must carry out a weigh week, no way, once every five years to meet regulatory requirements set by New Zealand's Civil Aviation Authority. The Designated Way Week is designed to determine the average weight of customers and crew, and the process got started at Auckland Airport on Wednesday. More customers at other airports across Air New Zealand's network will be asked to step on the scales as the Way Week continues. According to Air New Zealand's Chief Safety Officer David Morgan, quote, in order to fly safely and efficiently, I can't do a Kiwi accent. Maybe, accent. Can somebody do that? Uh, Nick, can you do a Kiwi accent? Uh, no. Okay. Uh, Rick? <laughs> no, definitely okay. not. All right. Well, then just Glenn's pretend. Glenn's in the chat room. He can do it. <laughs> Glenn. Glenn's in the chat room. He's from New Zealand. Yeah, ask we'll Glenn Pipe to him it. in. <laughs> okay. In order to fly safely and efficiently, we need to calculate the weight, balance, and fuel requirements of each and every flight ahead of takeoff. Uh, To do this, we need to know the average weight of the passenger's crew and cabin baggage. All data is collected anonymously and results cannot be seen by the data collection team or other customers. One passenger who had taken part in the survey asked to be told his weight, but found out that the airline was so conscious about protecting customer data that staff conducting the weigh-ins couldn't actually see the data. So they couldn't tell that guy what his weight was. Anyway... So that's kind of interesting. They're kind of doing a little weight audit. And uh, this was a thread on Twitter. Um, John NYC, J-O-N-N-Y-C says or tweeted, have you heard anything about the FAA weight recertification? Apparently everyone is about to get 10 plus pounds heavier. Not sure it's major news, but there will be summer weight restrictions for sure. I'd assume this is for all carriers, not just American Airlines. And then uh, there was a little bit more discussion online, and they were talking about advisory circulars, and I went researching that and couldn't find anything recent. I think the last last, uh, weight and balance 
advisory circular put out by the FAA was like in 2019. And then LA Flyer on Twitter um, saw my tweet and said, uh, give me your or follow me and I'll send you some information. So he said, hello, Captain Jeff. FlyDop sent out a new, uh, out to crews at United last week um, a memo. I'm aware both Hawaiian Air and United currently conducting such weight surveys. The FAA has recently issued guidance that requires airlines to reevaluate passenger and luggage weights to obtain a more accurate baseline for overall weight and balance calculations. It's been many years since the current weight averages were established. Anyway, so it goes on a little bit more detail about this whole thing. So there you go. Looks like um, everybody's kind of you know, resampling and just to make it's all sure that, that, that we're we put on over the pandemic. You know that. Pandemic. Oh, that's true. Liz is making a very good point. Uh, probably has something to do with the fact that what what is it? Everybody says COVID nineteen stands for nineteen pounds or whatever that right. equals, and yeah, oh, nineteen kilograms would even be even more oh, severe. Wow. <laughs> that's not good. Pandemic uh, weight. Uh, gain maybe that's what they're concerned about i don't know but no i think it's just time uh quite honestly um you know the figures aren't updated very often and none of us getting any slimmer you know very few people don't talk to yourself (laughs) one of the few exceptions (laughs) i just just got back from from a vigorous run myself have you well okay well well, (laughs) muscle is heavier than fat so if i were you i'd just get fat Oh, so you mean if I actually got some muscle that I'd even be heavier than I am now? Yeah, if you replaced all your fat with muscle. Uh, Here's a good excuse. Well, that's why I'm not going to do that. Right on. Anyway, good points made. Okay, enough of the weighing stuff. Let's move on to something more interesting to me. Uh, Let's see. uh, U.S. Air Force C-17 Globemaster III transport aircraft caught fire. On runway. That is not true. That is definitely somebody that doesn't understand the difference between uh, a runway, a taxiway, and a ramp or apron. Um, anyway, I'll probably keep... Same per, probably the same person calls it tarmac. Yeah, <laughs> or the tarmac. In a, uh, oh, they could call it the concrete. <laughs> uh, let's see. In a, re- in a release late Friday, Joint Base Charleston, JBC, said that there were no injuries following an incident involving an aircraft. Uh, They did not specify exactly what happened on the plane, but said that the investigation is underway into the incident. A video and photo have emerged on social media showing what appeared to be a C-17 airlifter on fire at the base on Friday afternoon. If you're watching the uh, video version of our show, you'll see the uh, overlay presented, and that is a view of the left under wing between the main left main landing gear and the uh, left main wing root, left main wing root, the left wing root. A um, little bit of fire damage there. Um, let's see. From the Aviation Safety Network, uh, it said that uh, experienced a fire in the main left hand wheel bay, probably due to overheated brakes after landing at Joint Base Charleston um, in South Carolina. No. One was injured, and the aircraft sustained substantial damage. Now, we have insider information. We cannot reveal our source, but said source said that uh, they had heard, I'm not even going to give you the gender of this person, uh, that the- He um, has a secret name. <laughs> yeah. Ketchup. 
ketchup. Ketchup is 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 the sauce's name. Oh, really? Oh, sauce. Oh, yeah. he's, he's, he's doing a play on sauce. Oh, I see. The word sauce and source. <laughs> oh, a, a sauce and source. I gotcha. Am I saying source wrong? No. Oh, okay. Uh, no, it's just that where I come from, they both sound the same. <laughs> sauce and sauce. <laughs> okay. True. If you want to hear what Liz is saying, by the way, this is a good time to mention this um, because it's at the beginning of the show and people won't freak out. Um, I uh, I hear Liz in my little earbuds um, and uh, the other co-hosts, the other crew members here, cannot while we're recording the show live. And uh, so um, you'll, if you listen to the audio only podcast, which most of you do, uh, you will uh, hear Liz at times uh, communicating with me. Um, and that's a lot of fun because Rick and Nick can't can't hear her at all. <laughs> Unless they listen to the show afterwards. Yes, we feel completely left out. Yeah, know, we can't understand why you're not doing anything at times. I know. Yeah, I'm just like, out of the loop over here. Is he having a stroke yeah. or is he just listening to Liz? <laughs> I don't know. It's hard to tell the difference. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so wh- where was I? Uh, we were talking about our secret sauce. Your, yes, your insider <laughs> yep. info. Oh, I get it. Secret sauce uh, instead of secret source. Okay. Um, and speaking of sauce, looks like Nick is hitting some. What oh, uh, Laura wanted to know. Sorry, Lee wanted to know what I was drinking tonight. It's, what is it called, Jack? It's uh, it's black sheep. Black sheep. Black ale. sheep. Oh, that's pretty. Uh, yeah, yeah, a nice uh, Yorkshire bitter <laughs> from. Uh, Liz is in rare form today. (laughs) Okay. So this insider, you're all dying now. Come on. Tell tell us what what he said. Suspense is killing me. He or she said. uh, He or she said that uh, the crew had landed and had already left the airplane and the uh, flight mechanic, uh, flight engineer, what do they call it? Um, Flight, uh, the crew. Loadmaster, maybe crew chief. I don't know. Something like that uh, was there, and apparently, uh, one of the hydraulic lines split and was spraying hydraulic fluid into the area of the brake assembly. And since the brakes were still, you know, warm, not necessarily hmm. red hot, but you know, it, it, they were still warm enough to ignite the hydraulic fluid, and that's what started the fire. But of course, that was just you know hearsay that uh, from from that source. So yeah. anyway, but it's a good thing that reminds me of uh, very early in the history of the A three forty, one of the hydraulic pumps which uh, powers the cargo doors and uh, sort of switches on when you operate from the outside the cargo door, and then when you close the cargo door, it's supposed to stop running. Yeah. They they walked oh, yeah. away, left the airplane. The pump stuck on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> about like six hours later or whenever it overheated wow. and set all the hydraulic fluid uh, alight, and the airplane was burnt. You know, down to the hull line. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it was written off. Wow, yeah. Yeah. that's interesting because the, the so the the fluid used for hydraulics on most uh, on most at least at least airplanes that I don't know of um, is is called Skydrol. Mm-hmm. And Skydrol has a relatively low flash point. I'm looking at here that uh, says, depending on the type of Skydrol that uh, you, you you have, uh, it can vary between uh, 100, just 104 degrees centigrade, 
up to 177 wow. degrees, which is really low. Yeah, it is. Yep. Uh, and and uh, and you know, brakes brakes do get uh, quite hot, so uh, I can definitely see that being a uh, possibility, especially when the the fluid is high, uh, aerosolized or aeros. Oh yeah, whatever is that the right word? Uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, aerosolized, and uh, that you know becomes a really uh, combustible, easily combustible. Absolutely. Okay, enough that military stuff. Let's yeah. uh, get back to the uh, <laughs> such a lot of military stuff. <laughs> One gray airplane. Well, you know, we gotta we gotta throw that in there every once in a while. Um, let's see, uh, news update. Uh, <laughs> I think the only reason why Liz puts these things in here is so that she can hear me pronounce the name of this airline, Swerjaya. Uh, Boeing 737-500 at Jakarta on January 9th, 2021, last time impacted sea. Yeah, they're still doing the investigation on that. And on the 13th of April, the KNKT announced that the CVR had been downloaded. Two hours of recordings were retrieved, including the accident flight. They stated that the NTSC managed to download all four channels from the CVR, but channel four on the uh, cockpit voice recorder was disrupted. However, based on the existing records, it has added important data for the investigation, which results will be presented in the final report. So that's good because mm-hmm. that was one of the things that we had talked about on the show that they they found the the module for the CVR, but oh no, not the module. They found the CVR, basically the housing, but they couldn't find the memory module, and uh, mm-hmm. so that that was found. That's good. So. Hopefully the data, that data, data that they have uh, recovered from it will aid in their investigation. Okay. Um, continuing on, this is an interesting one, I think. Uh, the final report is out from a uh, an incident. This is the uh, from the Aviation Herald. Um, a Singapore Airlines Airbus A380-800 registration, November Victor, no, 9 Victor, Sierra Kilo, Quebec, performing flight 231 from Singapore to Sydney, Australia, was on final approach to Sydney's runway 16 right when the aircraft encountered wind shear. In response, the crew commenced the wind shear escape procedure and went around while descending through 1,300 feet uh, mean sea level. Air traffic control instructed the crew to turn right onto a heading of 270 degrees. The crew read back the heading but omitted the direction of turn. ATC did not correct the incomplete readback. The crew turned left instead of right. You want the overlay now? Yes, please. There we go. There's an overlay here of uh, uh, parallel approaches, 16 left, 16 right at Sydney Airport. So basically a southerly direction that they're landing in. And the 380, mind you, is on the right side of all that, the the more the west side, and they were instructed to turn right to a heading of two seven zero. And I think most of us here on the crew, even if they had not said left or right, would probably turn right because that's the shortest distance to heading two seven zero. Um, it would be kind of unusual if they told us to make a left turn all the way to two seven zero. I think, um, but anyway. Yep. Well, uh, well, it does happen. You know, it happened to me the other day at, at, at Dallas. As he wanted, the guy wanted me to turn, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the long way around uh, to a certain heading. I'm like, just, just and, we had to ask, make sure that that's what he wanted. Right, and that's and they'll usually kind of emphasize that too, right? They'll say turn left, yeah. 
and then you go. I would ah. expect a UK controller to say it twice. Yeah. Turn right, say again, right onto heading mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it's an unusual direction. Uh, let's see. A potential loss of separation occurred with a dash eight. Who was? Uh, they were on final approach to the parallel runway to the left, one six left. ATC instructed the A380 to immediately turn left and climb and instructed the Dash 8 to immediately turn right, did the scissors maneuver, looks like, and thus maintained separation between the two aircraft. However, another conflict arose because behind the Airbus A380 was a 737 on approach to the right side. But that conflict was also resolved. The A380 uh, positioned for another approach to runway 16 right and landed without further incident about 23 minutes after the go-around. The final report by the ATSB, Australia's Transport Safety Board, concluded that the probable causes of the incident were the flight crew misheard, an air traffic control instruction likely due to a combination of the high cockpit workload associated with the missed approach, and their expected turn direction. Was that expectation bias? Is that the terminology for that? Yeah, and uh, confirmation bias. I guess the the miss missed approach procedure. I'm not sure about this, but they it must have a missed approach that goes left. Uh, I'm guessing. Yeah, I was wondering about the same because if you've briefed a missed approach and it happens to go left and you're turned to, told to turn, chances are you're going to have that in the back of your mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that you know is you're going to be expecting to turn left the go around guidance will be telling you to turn left mm-hmm. fair traffic tell you to turn right you need, really need to take that on board and uh yeah they're right there's a busy uh few moments in a go around uh, as you're accelerating and trying to clean the airplane up in fairly short order there's a lot of commands going back and forth across the cockpit uh it would be a time when it would be relatively easy i think to miss that Hey, staff, staff, look up the uh, ILS approach to runway 16 right at Sydney. <laughs> Actually, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. I, know, I could see Rick. I knew exactly what Rick was doing, and I'm thinking, okay, this will be a perfect time to do the staff thing. <laughs> what, yeah, does right, so it says, what does it say, uh, Rick? It says, uh, so the ILS uh, 16 right, Mr. Approach says uh, track 155 at uh, track uh, 155 degrees at Sixteen and sorry, at six hundred feet mandatory, turn right to track one seven zero. Okay, that's 3, still pretty much straight right. ahead. Or as directed by ATC. Oh, yeah. well, okay. Well, so much for their excuse then. <laughs> okay. Now I've uh, I've got a question here. Uh, the crew are doing the uh, go around because of wind shear. Yeah. So all my wind shear. Um, recoveries involved wings level and climbing straight ahead straight ahead until you're absolutely clear so Mm -hmm. one why are air traffic giving them a turn in the first place uh from from the diagram we don't know what extra traffic there is around Mm -hmm. but the diagram seems to indicate that straight ahead is a safe place to go and two why did the crew accept turn if they were still doing a wind shear go around maybe they'd maybe they had completed the wind shear escape maneuver and had stabilized i don't know it doesn't really from what i've read so far it is possible yeah but uh um but but they seem to indicate that these was all happening while they were doing the go around and the cockpit load was high which indicates to me that they're still doing the go around that could be Mm -hmm. and you're right um i think every windscape uh, windscape, wind shear escape maneuver. <laughs> I, I just nice call it windscape because <laughs> it reminds me of the ocean. Like it's a beautiful yeah, windscape. By your first ulcers, I, I don't have any hair left. 
Huh? Huh? I don't I don't get that either, Liz. Oh, they're pulling their hair out. Oh, just What's flying with What's Captain? What's a windscape? <laughs> just shut up and say, yes, sir. That's a great name. Uh, wind shear escape maneuver always is wings level because you want to get all that, all those lifties, you know, in the, in the upright. Yeah, all those going position. upwards. Yep. Yeah, not only that, but you want to leave the configuration of the airplane the way it is until yep. you are, you know, out of the uh, winter situation, because if you think about it, you put the you put go to put the landing gear up, and then the, the doors uh, cycle open, and more then drag that, uh, introduces extra drag, and then you know you end up uh, you could end up in a worse position than you otherwise would. So you just leave it alone, wings level, straight ahead, and just fly yeah. out. Well, anyway, so I think we're all on the same page there. Um, the the other contributing factor here uh, from the report. Um, the flight crew omitted the direction of turn during the readback, which was not corrected by air traffic control. The absence of the readback correction by air traffic control combined with the misheard turn instruction resulted in the aircraft being turned in the wrong direction. So they're not letting ATC off the hook here either. So I guess, uh, you know, lesson learned by pilots and air traffic controllers. Indeed. All right. Very interesting. But was there a tantrum in the tower? Was there a tantrum in the tower, Liz asks? There may have been. <laughs> there may have been. Just so uh, happens to be the title of our last episode. Yeah. Or, tantrum um, in the triad tower. In the triad tower. Tantrums. Every day. Yes. Anyway, uh, check it out. Uh, the, the artwork, the cover art was uh, brilliant by our cover art genius, <laughs> Captain Nick Anderson. All right, continue on with 1G. Uh, French lawmakers, you know, last... I'm always flying at 1G. Yeah, well, I try to be (laughs) as well. Uh, Last week, we heard of the mayor of that small town in France uh, basically cutting off all funding for anything to do with uh, promoting aviation for children. And now... We have French lawmakers approving a ban on short domestic flights. I think they're just trying to get rid of aviation in France. And man, before long, we're not going to have Airbuses. Come on, man. Right? Because um, that's, isn't that where they're made mostly? Yeah. Or put together? In France. Yeah. Well, they're, they're made all over Europe. I mean, we make the wings. Uh, yeah. Put together in Toulouse. There are well, bits they're, made in Germany. They're put together in Mobile, then, Alabama, too. No, that's true. That's true. Oh, that's true. And that's true. Somewhere in China. That's true. All right. Well, anyway, French lawmakers voted late on Saturday to abolish domestic flights on routes that can be covered by train in under two and a half hours as the government seeks to lower carbon emissions even as the air travel industry reels from the global pandemic. The measure is part of a broader climate bill that aims to cut French carbon emissions by 40% in 2030 from 1990 levels, though activists accuse President Emmanuel Macron of watering down earlier promises in the draft legislation. You know, you just can't make anybody happy anymore. Uh, The vote came days after the state said it would contribute to a 4 billion euro, 4.76 U.S. dollars, billion dollars recapitalization of Air France, more than doubling its stake in the flag carrier to shore up its finances after over a year of COVID-19 travel curbs. Industry Minister Agnes Pagnel Runeksher dismissed criticism from the, you're welcome, dismissed criticism from the aviation industry that a pandemic recovery was not the time to ban some domestic flights 
And so there was no contradiction between the bailout and the climate bill. Uh, we know that aviation is a contributor of carbon dioxide and that because of climate change, we must reduce emissions, she told Europe One Radio. Equally, we must support our companies and not let them fall by the wayside. Oh, kind of a kind of a paradox there. Air traffic they seem to be mutually exclusive. <laughs> they do aims, seem to be. <laughs> yes. <laughs> at odds, I'd say. Uh, however you say that in France, uh, at old, um, air traffic may not, that's not probably anything close to what they say in France. A la odds. A la, a la, a la. bleu. Oh, ah, at odds. <laughs> <laughs> My apologies to all the French people listening. Probably aren't many, but we're sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, anyway. Uh, so there, I, there's been a lot of discussion about this, and I think that people were saying, well, okay, uh, I think that um, somebody was – oh, I think it was a brilliant person that happens to live in the UK. His name is Neville Bounds, uh, was making a point on the Sochmeads that uh, that's ridiculous. What about you know somebody traveling from, let's say, John F. Kennedy International in New York to Charles de Gaulle in, in Paris and Paris? And uh, they have all this stuff, all this luggage, and in, in Nev's case, probably a bunch of uh, equipment and stuff. Uh, and then they have to, you know, somehow get all themselves and their equipment to a train station or whatever. Get yourself transported to another means of transportation to get to your final destination. And apparently, the legislation says, well, that would not be banned. I guess they're just talking about like intra French short yeah, flights, not yeah, non feeder flights. Uh, mm-hmm. thank you, Liz. Um, and it turns out that it's not really a very high percentage of the domestic flying. Uh, so it's not as, no, there's severe. no doubt that France has a pretty impressive high speed rail network. That is true. And there's no point doubling up with aircraft when you've got a really sophisticated and capable. Uh, train system. It's fast and comfortable. Um, why why have them compete and add to the carbon? But there are plenty. Should be plenty of destinations still left to uh, an aviation market. Uh, and if in if the infrastructure is missing to join up all the dots so that you can get from A to B, well then stick with aircraft. Uh, yeah. I think you should be able to work it out in the long run, long term. Well, in our live audience, uh, Sebastian via Facebook says there is a total of five routes affected by this currently and those do not perform so well. So most likely this is a sort of political marketing stunt. What you're saying that this might have something to do with politics. <laughs> no, it couldn't what? be. No way. Oh, come on. That's Sebastian. Crazy no, talk. No <laughs> crazy talk. Now this is Sebastian of the, uh, air crash podcast. Never heard of it. Uh, <laughs> more, more of Sebastian and Sarah later. I'm just kidding. Oh, really? Oh, very yeah. nice. Yep. Very nice. Uh, we'll we'll hear a I lot about the, uh, the 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 podcasts that they're uh, that they're engaged in, and the really low quality guests that they're inviting to be part of it. Scraping the barrel. Scraping the bottom of the barrel. All right. Let's continue with uh, this serious incident: a Boeing 757 208. WL. I have no idea what that means. Um, Surely you can't be serious. <laughs> I can be, and don't call me Shirley. Uh, flight 440. This is, by the way, um, 
Iceland Air, a, uh, a 757 flight 440. Now, is that flight 440 uh, or flight 1440? Oh, well, I'm guessing it's going to be 440 because it's yeah, I think you're right. Iceland I've, I've Air. I found a one somewhere else, and uh, yeah, a, a one looks like a one. But it, okay, you're right; it does look like a one. Uh, I just I just made the guess and went for 440. You guessed well, sir. Well, thank you. Yeah, probably that's Ikeo's uh, Iceland Air's Ikeo uh, ID mm. Pearls Foxtrot India. I'm not sure, but uh, I'll bet you're right. Uh, the Aviation Herald always puts in the air aircraft um, identification abbreviation or whatever you want to call it. And I always drop it out because nobody says, Hey, I just took uh, DL uh, 1563 to uh, New York. And you go, huh? Oh, you mean you mean flight 1563? Yeah, that's what I mean. Okay. Let me step down from my soapbox. Flight 440 was rescheduled for departure from Kefalvik. Uh, at 8Z on February 23rd, 2017 to um, Manchester Airport, Echo Golf, Charlie, Charlie. Did I say they were rescheduled? What did I say? I think I just said something wrong. Anyway, they were scheduled for that departure. Uh, the flight crew had not seen any significant meteorological information, SIGMETs, before the flight, but uh, he knew, okay, the crew, and then he knew. Okay, the crew knew that it would be windy. An additional ton of fuel was added for the flight. Okay, good. <laughs> oh, how brave, adding a whole ton. <laughs> good, good, you know, but at least he's thinking about adding fuel, you know. But there's a thought there. Come on, give him at least yeah. okay. partial points. Yeah. Uh, the takeoff was delayed due to de-icing of the aircraft, which is going to eat into some of that extra fuel. Uh, from the scheduled takeoff uh, at 8Z per the flight plan, the actual takeoff was at 833. Uh, the weather forecast for both Manchester Airport and the alternate Liverpool Airport were above weather minimums. However, the SIGMETs, the uh, significant meteorological information, were in effect that were forecast to pass over the destination and the alternate airport at the estimated time of arrival. Whoops. The takeoff from Kefavik uh, Airport, the climb, as well as the en route portion of the flight were uneventful. The commander was a pilot flying during the flight. During the descent towards Manchester, a preceding flight had gone around twice due to wind shear and elected to divert. The flight crew of Flight 440 then informed Manchester Radar that they were entering a holding pattern. The flight crew of Flight 440 completed one and a half turns in the holding pattern at ROSUN Rosen at flight level 110, discussing the situation and the option of diverting to Liverpool Airport before deciding to attempt an approach to Manchester. The flight crew also decided that if they could not land at Manchester due to the high wind condition, they would divert directly to Liverpool Airport. The flight crew informed Manchester radar of their intentions. During the approach, the aircraft encountered moderate icing. The aircraft was vectored to the ILS for runway 23 right at Manchester Airport. Uh, the flight crew then contacted uh, Manchester Tower, received clearance to land on runway 23 right. According to the commander, the aircraft encountered severe turbulence on final approach. At around 800 feet, it was clear that the approach could not be continued due to the turbulence. Then the flight crew advised Manchester Tower that they had executed a go-around. According to the flight data recorder, Flight 440 had just below 4.9 tons of fuel remaining. 
Now for a 757, that's what, approximately 10,000 pounds, uh, Rick, would you say? 4.9 yeah, tons? Yeah, so, or, or, um, so on the, on the 75, I mean, those things are, less. yeah, I, those things but, are pretty good with fuel. Um, yeah, and it's not uncommon, it's not uncommon to land with, you know, uh, eight to 9,000 pounds of fuel left, um, yeah. um on, on these things, even on the seven, six. Um, yeah. but, uh, I mean, when, when you start, uh, to, you know, getting into windy situations and your alternate airport being right next to your destination airport. Oh, oh wait, 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 in, wait. you're giving it away, man. Oh, you're man. It away. We have more to the story. <laughs> oh, there's more. Yeah. Say. Yeah. Well, here, uh, the flight crew commenced <laughs> a go around on runway heading, climbing to 3,500 feet. Then they diverted to Liverpool uh, yeah. Then they contacted Liverpool Radar and advised they were ready to start the approach. They instructed the flight crew to turn right again to heading 230, cleared them for the approach to runway 27. They configured the aircraft for landing and selected flap 25. According to the commander, the aircraft encountered severe turbulence on final approach. As Rick was just mentioning, It's that weather system is covering pretty much that entire region. And, of course, they have the same kind of weather at Liverpool. Uh, passing 1,000 feet, the wind was around 73 knots, and at around 800 feet, a wind shear warning initiated. Uh, the flight crew of Flight 440 advised Liverpool Tower that they had executed a go-around due to wind shear. According to the flight data recorder, Flight 440 had just over 3.9 tons of fuel remaining. Okay, We're getting lower on fuel now. According to the commander, after a go-around was initiated, the flight experienced heavy turbulence in addition with a low-level altitude capture, which resulted in both altitude and airspeed exceedances. Okay, that's no good. The flight crew of Flight 440 noticed that they were reaching their minimum diversion fuel of 3,664 kilograms at this time. They had 1,950 kilograms to burn before reaching final reserve fuel of 1,714 kilograms. Uh, they contacted Liverpool radar and informed them that they were becoming low on fuel and requested an alternate to the alternate, uh, in the vicinity around this time, the commander called an experienced airline pilot, which he knew was traveling on the flight to the cockpit. So deadheading pilot or something in the back yeah. calls him up. Put your wine down, will you, mate? <laughs> and would you mind you uh, taking over for me? I need to use the restroom. And yeah. Good luck. We're all yeah. counting on you. <laughs> yeah. I love it. The commander did this to have an additional trained pilot with a fresh mind in the cockpit. You know, unless, as, yeah, as Nick said, hopefully exactly. he wasn't imbibing too much. Uh, the commander, okay, uh, as as well as to assist with locating airport charts in the library stowed under the jump seat, as ATC had been giving options on alternate airports, such as Leeds, that were not in the database, the uh, computer database. Um, at well, Later on, Liverpool radar informed the flight crew that Leeds Airport could accept them, and the flight crew of Flight 440 replied that they would like to go to Leeds. The flight crew did not find any data for Leeds Airport in the LIDO database, nor were they familiar with the airport. Scottish Control was asked for runway information and ILS frequency. The flight crew, meanwhile, reviewed their options. They were down below the minimum diversion fuel, and Leeds Airport, which they were unfamiliar with, was now at a distance of 50 nautical miles. 
they made the decision to commit to Manchester Airport, which was closer, as they were familiar with that airport. It was very windy in the whole area. So they Man went back to Manchester. And, yep, so they went back to Manchester, and Man which was their original destination. Manchester was much closer than Leeds. Okay, I just mentioned that. The flight crew contacted Scottish Control requesting to divert to Manchester with a fuel emergency. Now we're up to, uh, things are getting a little bit um, more stressful because uh, fuel is uh, evaporating. Well, not really. The engines are burning it. Manchester radar then vectored the flight for an ILS approach to runway 23 right. Uh, Manchester Tower informed the flight crew that a departing aircraft had reported a positive wind shear, a gain of 15 knots on departure at 1,000 feet. According to the commander, the aircraft encountered severe turbulence on final approach, and the autopilot had difficulties maintaining localizer and glide slope. The flight crew configured the aircraft for landing in selected flap 25, and then they finally, yay, landed at Manchester Airport. According to the flight, data recorded flight 440 had 2.7 tons of fuel remaining. This was 986 kilograms above final reserve fuel, or about 20 minutes of flying time before using the final reserve fuel. Uh, conclusions, uh, causes inappropriate selection of an alternate airport considering the meteorological conditions. They're assuming that they considered the meteorological conditions. Flight plan did not highlight the SIGMET information included in the flight documents, and the flight crew did not notice the significant meteorological information in the Oh, pack. so they, they had the SIGMETs, yes. they just didn't read them? Yes. Ah, uh -uh. okay. Yes. <laughs> you are correct, uh -oh. sir. Yep. Whoops. Right. Oops. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. So, you know, happy, uh, happy ending, a little bit stressful, probably took a couple of years off everybody's life up there in that cockpit. Um, but I think um, this crew deserves this. Oh, Liz thinks that the crew deserves the below 50% <laughs> banner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ribbon. And uh, they yeah. should have had another five tons of fuel on board. But yeah. Other than that. I think they did a fine job. <laughs> they did a great job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I tell you, and 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 I can from experience. Uh, whenever I see, you know, when I, whenever I fly to Miami and I see my alternate S Fort Lauderdale, I'm like, uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. that's it's a legal like, uh, alternate, and and that's about it. It's not a realistic it's, one. <laughs> exactly. It's just and for the so paperwork. It's, uh, it, it behooves you to to make sure that things are. Uh, kosher at, bo at both places um and uh, you can however you know uh, end up with a little bit more fuel if you have a more distant um alternate airport and uh consider a closer alternate airport and use that fuel to loiter around a little bit and, and, and oh that's a, a good better. trick i used to employ that uh, one rick, rick, rick we have rick. all we've all done it and uh, uh -huh. rick and i yep. can continue to do so uh you know it's a <laughs> yes. dynamic situation <laughs> yeah. exactly right yeah. but exactly. if you don't have the yeah. if you don't have yeah. the fuel for it then oh man i can i can i can imagine the uh the, the stress level in that cockpit it must have been uh you know, not not very nice. I think they had to order two more um, cockpit seat cushions because they were sucked <laughs> up into the bodies of the. Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's the worst situation in the world, really, when you find yourself in a really awkward spot, and they were in an awkward spot, 
and you're just running out of gas because you think, what the hell do I do now? Well, he did. He made, I think, he made a very good decision in the end. Why he actually tried to go to Liverpool in the first place, I don't, don't think that was necessarily the best uh, decision. But, um, you know, staying with Manchester or going straight to an airfield uh, that was a bit further away that had better weather. But, no, it was a it was a large weather system and the chances are that he would have had to go up, way up into Scotland or somewhere to uh, mm. have found good conditions. So uh, I think, you know, um, stick around for a bit, hope the weather improves. Sound like it did a little bit, but, uh, mm. you know. Uh, eventually you've just got to live with it and make the best effort you can to get the airplane down and looks like he did a good job. And as far as the, the over-speeding uh, uh, on the 757 on the go-around procedure, it, it has to do with, with the way the, the the automatic pilot and flight director system work during the go-around maneuver on the 75 and the 76. It's not like uh, the newer Boeings or your, your Airbus uh, variety where – at a certain altitude, you just engage a vertical mode, and you you have all sorts of protections. On the 757, 767, at a thousand feet, you do what's called a spin up. So you'll spin up your uh, your uh, altitude, your um, uh, speed um, control, um, I guess knob or selector, to whatever speed you want to fly the go around at. And then once you get to that go around altitude, you'll hit flight level change, go to climb thrust, and then and then um, uh, go to um, autopilot and command. So the entire uh, procedure is uh, hand flown uh, until you uh, select your vertical, your first vertical mode, which is in this case uh, flight level change. So you can't uh, uh, plug an autopilot on until you have both a lateral mode and a vertical mode. And until you hit flight level change, you don't have those two modes. So the entire thing is hand flown. That's why it can lead to that, mm-hmm. especially when you have you know turbulence and updrafts and downdrafts and all sorts of things. So yeah, that's uh, that's that. All right. Well, again, happy ending in this case, but uh, mm-hmm. perhaps something was learned by this crew and all of us who are kind of talking about it after the fact. Okay. So, uh, continuing on. Uh, oh, UPS, electric planes, and, and we have a video as well, but don't play the video yet. No, no, I'm holding off. Thank you. Um, let's see. Here's the headline. UPS explores ETVOLs, ETVOLs, part helicopter and part plane. Uh Uh-oh. Not only do they get the pictures wrong, but sometimes they actually get the letters in the wrong order on these headlines. (laughs) This is from the uh, Associated Press. You would think that somebody would have caught this. Uh, That's EVTOLs, vertical takeoff and landing vehicles. So just thought I'd point that out. Um, you mean you don't take vertical off? Well, oh, maybe. <laughs> Probably has nothing to do with airplanes. Um, anyway, UPS is buying 10 electrical electric vertical aircraft from Beta Technologies, or Beta, uh, as it looks to get items to small and mid-sized markets faster. And uh, so with that, I think maybe this would be a good time, Liz, to play the uh, little video from UPS. Here we go. Call it the future of shipping. Electric planes soaring through the skies with your packages. And get this, there's no need for an airport. UPS plans to use the planes to connect rural and mid-sized cities, areas where packages may usually take longer to arrive. 
In this illustration from UPS, you can see the planes taking off vertically from shipping warehouses. They fly at 170 miles per hour and land directly at sorting facilities, meaning your packages arrive faster with what the company calls a minimal impact on the environment. So Juan, does this mean that some people in parts of this country will be receiving their packages faster? When you start bypassing, you know, all the manual handling that takes place, you create efficiencies in the network. Not only that, you also start moving the network at a faster pace. And UPS isn't the only one planning to use these ultra-quiet planes. The U.S. military is also on board. It's a logistics mission of moving water, medicine, uh, goods, medical countermeasures over the hill. Short range, super efficient, low cost. Um, actually replacing, in the case of the military, some high-cost ground transportation. The planes can fly for about 250 miles. Its batteries charge in about 50 minutes. Beta, the company developing the planes, says the aircraft will be autonomous within just a few years. The ultimate goal? To start moving people. And as we move forward and deploy things in the logistics world, we, of course, build millions of hours of flight time and have thousands of vehicles deployed so that when we get to the passenger mission and we put six people in this aircraft, they're super comfortable flying in, in local regional trips. Until then, our packages will be the guinea pigs. UPS plans to start flying these planes in 2024. Gio Benitez, ABC News, New York. The ultimate goal? To get rid of those pesky pilots. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> and those pesky gas-guzzling engines. Um, uh, Glenn, uh, when this pitched up on social media, made a lovely comment. He said, it's always five years away. It never seems to get any closer. <laughs> Every time you see one of these, it's like five years in the future. Just uh, like when you're driving the, the uh, family station wagon and you ask your dad, you know, how close you, you are. Uh, five, <laughs> we're just like there, five yeah. minutes we're away. There, yeah. Just five <laughs> more minutes. <laughs> and when you ask an engineer, how long is this going to take? <laughs> ten minutes. Just ten, That's true. It's always ten minutes. <laughs> ten minutes. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, I mean, I over, love overall, <laughs> overall, I don't, I don't, I don't like where this is going. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I love the way they're talking about the military uh, capabilities, and it's all humanitarian aid. There's no ammunition or rockets or mm. anything that's going to kill someone no, uh, involved no. with this at all. It's uh, only water bottles and oh, uh, medical it's, stuff. It's probably because we already have that. <laughs> <laughs> But having said that, I like the look of it. It looks kind of cool, doesn't it? Yeah. And I yeah. like the fact that the video showed an, a pilot actually flying the darn thing. But uh, yeah. as he, he wasn't said, doing a very good job, though. That's probably why the guy got It would be much more accurate without a pilot. Mm. Anyway, so. Uh, well, having said that, mm -hmm. I don't think I could ever buy an airplane from Beta Technologies. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't want a Beta. Sorry. I'm just going. With beta testing is always something that's not finished, right? You know, you're testing the beta oh, that's version a good point. of something. Yeah, maybe they so need I'm to change their name. Why on earth they would change? It. Yeah, we have decided <laughs> to change our name to Alpha Industries. There you go. All right, exactly. We're ready for release. Okay. Um, you can decide whether you want to do this last one or not, Jim. Yeah, I'll do this one. Uh, actually, I added an extra one. I didn't tell you, Liz. I have uh, two more to go here. Um, yeah, sorry about that. We did have a meeting <laughs> yesterday. Yeah, you and, didn't have it then. No, I didn't. I just threw it in there this morning. So anyway, uh, report Air Canada 777-300 at Paris 
on the 24th of July, 2019, a ground agent was injured by a tow bar. And this is from the Aviation Herald and Air Canada. I just meant, told you all that. Um, basically, this was a pushback incident. The, um, the flight was being pushed back from the gate nearing the end of the pushback. The aircraft was almost on the center line of the taxiway when the tow truck reached its maximum turn angle. The flight crew heard a noise they believed was caused by shearing one of the tow bar pins and the tow truck stopped. The tow instructor alighted. I guess that means to get out of the vehicle and the tow truck or he got out of the tow truck and initiated the sequence to disconnect the tow bar when the draw pin connecting the tow bar to the truck was raised, effectively disconnecting the tow bar, the aircraft moved forward. Hmm, wonder why. One of the tow bar wheels rolled over the tow instructor's right foot, trapping the instructor, and the tow bar suddenly unhooked from the tractor and hit the instructor's right leg. One of the tow bar's shear pins was found fractured. Um, the following factors may have contributed to the accident, a misunderstanding... Uh, oh, wait, I was going to do something here. Um, it was a report by the French. Uh, don't say it, don't say it. Here it is. Bureau d'enquête et d'analyse. Yeah. That was me. I recorded myself saying that earlier. <laughs> very nice. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, that's, that's a very nice, sexy voice you've got there, Jeff. Well, you want to hear that again? Bureau d'enquête et d'analyse. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Whoa, very husky. Um, they, uh, they said that factors that contributed to the accident, a misunderstanding between the tractor driving crew and the headset operator. I always get a little bit, I know this happens a lot of places, but most of the time in my experience, the person with the headset, the one to whom I'm communicating, is also the person who is actually operating the tractor or the tug. Uh, and I think that's, the best way to go. But there are cases where you're talking to one person and then the person driving the thing is a different person. And there have to be really good communication skills involved to prevent um, a problem like this one. The lack of a briefing, they didn't brief, may have resulted in this misunderstanding that was also between the personnel of two separate companies. So I guess these people were from two different companies. The headset operator is expected to initiate procedures in the event of an anomaly during the pushback operation. As this agent was unaware of any anomaly, the immediate application of these procedures, including the request to apply the airplane parking brake, aeroplane parking brake, may have been compromised. Um, and let's see, the headset operator's late action in asking the crew to apply the aeroplane parking brake as soon as he saw the driver's instructor initiate removal of the tow bar, despite this surprising him and him not fully understanding the reason for this action at the time. So the sequence of events usually are they push us back, and before they make any attempt at all to do anything with the tow bar, they'll say to us, the captain, uh, please set your parking brakes or parking brake set or whatever. Um, and then you will say, uh, at least at Acme, we say parking brakes set, cleared to disconnect. And those are the magic words for them then to disconnect the tow bar and such. And apparently um, because of the tow bar shear pin breaking, uh, that threw them all off and they forgot to ask the captain to set the parking brake of the aircraft. And that's why the, uh, the airplane moved a bit, um, and then caused some other issues here. And yeah, 
So what do you guys think? Yeah, not only that, but uh, also at the beginning of the pushback, you want to make sure that uh, your your communication is such that the the person doing the pushback knows that the brakes are released um, because uh, you know, otherwise you can you can uh, you can damage the aircraft that way. And so um, I'm the same way same way over here, you know, yeah. you, you tell the guy, uh, you know, your brakes are set clear to disconnect, and then. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so when when the guy tells me to um, that that the pushback is complete and to set the brakes, I always I always count to you know to, to quick count of three to make sure that uh, especially when the when the person on the interphone is not the person driving, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. make sure that the uh, that the pushback has in fact ended uh, and that uh, the aircraft is not moving prior to me setting the parking brake uh, to make sure that there's uh you know no no damage to the aircraft and. Uh, but then again, the procedure is the same as yours, Jeff. Yeah, I, yeah, I look out the window. Um, you know, they say parking brake set or whatever, and I look outside, wait for a couple of seconds, and make sure that the airplane is definitely not moving, and then I set the mm-hmm. parking brake. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hey, the crew said right at the beginning that they heard a noise that they thought mm-hmm. the tow bar had broken. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm a little bit confused why they didn't. Pop the brakes on right there and then. That can were they worried that it might not have broken? That might have. uh, That actually may complicate, uh, make the situation worse. If you might have done, yeah, it depends on because uh, basically this thing was about a ninety degree angle at that point, and uh, and depending on the airplane and the hydraulic system and everything else, you got to be very careful with what you're, what you're doing with the jet. I would, you know, if I were like rolling back and, and looking outside and the, and the tug, the tractor was still stationary, then I'd probably gently put the brakes on. <laughs> and that's yeah. actually happened yeah. to me. Because <laughs> we, we can't actually see the tug. We can't right. see much at all, which is why we never have the headset guy in the tug. Mm-hmm. The headset guy is always out. Oh, on so the you side can see them. Okay. Aircraft, so we can see it exactly and, right, and he's keeping an eye on both the tug and the wing walkers as well. So good point. He's in overall command. Um, so it does change, uh, mm-hmm. and but it's I've never heard of. Well, actually, I have. I guess if we have one of our engineers doing the headset, and we had a handling agent driving mm-hmm. the tug, they could be from different companies. But the whole point of when you set these things up is that you make sure that they, everyone's got together beforehand, the companies, and established standard operating procedures so that everybody knows what to do in the event of a... It's not an unusual thing. I've mm-hmm. broken a few tow bars, uh, not me personally, but had them break. Um, and uh, so it's, it's not like it's unheard of. No, to, to have them not sure of what to do when the tow bar breaks, I'm going really. <laughs> May I uh, tell you my story? Yeah. And I think I've mentioned no, it a couple of times in the 12 years I've been doing the podcast. Um, the uh, we were pushing back. Uh, I was a first officer at the time on a 727, pushing back from one of the B gates in, in Atlanta, and the uh, the tug was like you could hear the engine and it was going is like <laughs> and you could just feel that there was some kind of resistance and and you're and you're thinking you know the first thing we do is look down and make sure we don't i said the parking brakes were released but maybe maybe they weren't and you know yeah no i don't have the brake on then all of a sudden the airplane goes and we got a big bump and then we're traveling very quickly backwards and we look out the front windows and we see the tug 
and we see, you know, he's holding the, and he's got the headset on and he's holding the headset cord and it's getting tighter and tighter and tighter. The slack is, is disappearing from it because we are traveling faster than the tug is. <laughs> so in other words, the tow bar breaks and we are now on our own. And the, I remember the captain looking over at me and goes, well, what do we do now? <laughs> and, I said, <laughs> and I said to him, I said, just, I think we put the brakes on, but be very careful because the 727, as I mentioned, I think even on the last show, we talked about the air stairs on the thing as a structural thing. And the uh, CG on that thing on the ground is, is very uh, sketchy. And you have to be very careful about you know, going backwards and putting the brakes on and then just setting the thing on the tail. And uh, mm. luckily he was able to just nice and gently stop the airplane. But it was like when we talked about it afterwards thinking, this is something they never talk about or tell us about in training. <laughs> Nobody ever talks about something weird. Like, so what happened was the chocks were in, they forgot to move the, forgot to remove the chocks. And so he just kept pushing the airplane and the main gear tires actually went over the chocks. And then, you know, from there, it was just a chain reaction. But, oh, wait, wait, what do I see? What do I see here? It looks like from her. I always, this is the problem I always have here when this happens. I got to go to the, my little intro script here from her lakeside studio in South. Doctor, skydiver, marathon runner, strength training junkie, IPA connoisseur, and commercial multi-engine instrument rated backstabbing jumper dumper. It is Dr. Steph. Hey, Captain Jeff. Sorry, I did not mean to interrupt the story. I was quite oh, enjoying no. that one. You could have continued. <laughs> so, no, no, no. I didn't I want to just... keep you waiting. Come on. Sorry, sorry. I, I kept y'all waiting. So. And a guest of Don't honor like... here uh, today, right? No, oh. no. <laughs> <laughs> well, somewhere you were. All right. Yeah, not here. Okay. Somewhere else. Well, but, yeah. My my apologies for for being tardy. Oh no, no problem. We're just happy to happy to see you. Happy to have you at all. Right. No, a little stuff is better than no be stuff here. at all. That's what we always say, say right, so. gang? We if all say, say that. Yeah. Hi, Steph. How was the right? rap? Hi. How was the what? The rap. The rap. Yeah. It, um. There was no no actual like rap involved, so. <laughs> oh, okay. We'll we'll talk yeah. about this food, later. The food was tasty, nonetheless. Nick is good. just a little confused. I know. Well, we'll straighten him out. It's okay. <laughs> okay, good. I expect. All right. Nothing less. We were just talking about this tow bar incident in. Um, yeah, yeah, Paris yeah. I, I gathered as much. Got an injured person on the ground because of improper communication and no briefing of procedures and all that jazz. So you know, as we always say here. It's real communication is very, very important. So, or important. Okay. Um, oh, let's see. Oh, okay. The last one in the news folder. I know we had a lot of news this, uh, this week, but um, sorry, I guess. Uh, and the reason why I mentioned this, it didn't happen too long ago. And we keep hearing over and over again about this Denver to what was it? Honolulu uh, flight uh, United uh, 328 that had, it was a triple seven that, um, had the engine failure on the right side, the right engine. And, um, and I, I, for some reason I got this, uh, email and some kind of a PR thing, uh, a press release from Clifford law offices today, today, Friday, April 16, filed two lawsuits in Illinois against United airlines on behalf of two passengers who suffering significant trauma stemming from a flight that experienced a fiery engine loss while traveling from Denver to, that's not even a good sentence there. They've, 
done something grammatically incorrect. Passengers. I wonder if one of them is uh, used to be a pilot for Qantas. Well, I I think maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were just they, taking uh, a nice uh, holiday. <laughs> they were I just... wasn't expecting anything terrible to happen on my flight. So, okay, these are passengers. We can kind of give them a little bit of a break, but yeah, you know, not the pilots. No. Okay, flight 328, Boeing 777. Okay, the, I love the, the reason why I wanted to read this is li- this, listen to this this lay person explain what happened in this incident uh, was en route to Honolulu. When four minutes after takeoff, an explosion occurred and the right engine was engulfed in flames. Of course, we know that the cowling of the engine came off and basically revealed pretty much what you'd see anyway, when the cowling, you know, you don't normally see the engine in the fire because the engine, guess what is on fire all the time, <laughs> but okay. We'll give them a break on that one. Pilots were forced to turn back to Denver as passengers witnessed the plane on fire on the right side of the wing, and the engine reportedly was missing. You don't say. Yeah, it was missing. Where where, where wow. had it gone? I, I don't saw know. Saw all the videos. <laughs> I, don't I know. remember seeing an engine no, there most of the time. <laughs> oh, I don't know either. Um, and is, then, is no one else reminded of airplane like the guy in the <laughs> counterpoint uh, argument the the uh, journalist yeah like, they bought their tickets they knew what they were getting into <laughs> <laughs> good point they oh, they gosh. they paid for a ride and by golly we're gonna give them mm-hmm. one all right that's right uh pilots were able to land the plane with one engine whoa you're kidding me uh, and then let's see, the FAA has reported it and is investigating other uh, planes with similar engines to see if the defect is widespread. The flight time of terror was 24 minutes before the plane touched the ground. They're seeking at least $50,000 in damages. And it seems like they're going for a pretty low number here for. Sounds like a pretty expensive plane ride. Yeah. I mean, did they spend that much money to get on the plane? Well, I think what this is, is just enough to be tra- for them safely to the ground for the, for the lawyers to get some money for the passengers to get a little bit, probably, you know, $5,000 of that 50, um, maybe more. And, uh, and this is one of those things where we all know what's going to happen. The airline is going to go, it's just cheaper just to pay the money. You know, keep it out of court. Settled. Unfortunately. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They'll settle out of court, but they'll negotiate it down. Yeah. Uh, saying, well, you wouldn't guarantee to get that amount of money, so we'll offer you 25000 I would have asked for a lot more. Yeah. I'm yeah, I know. 50000 Jeez. I know. Really? Hardly good worth luck. it. Yeah. Good luck. You know, at this rate, they're just going to do away with windows so that people can't see for the burning engines. <laughs> at least over the wings, right? <laughs> yeah, if it had been a dreamliner, the they end. could have just blacked out the windows because they say no one could see anything. Nothing to see here, nothing to see yeah, here. Yeah, exactly. Right. Click. Good point. All right. Well, finally, we are finished with our news. I think it was kind of fun. And mm-hmm. uh, it is now time for one of my favorite parts of the show, which is, of course, our getting to know us segment. Getting to know all about us. Getting to like us. Getting to hope you like us, too. <laughs> no way to fit in those extra words. I've tried. Can't figure it out. Anyway, probably should just stop singing. Probably the best thing. Okay, well, Steph, do you feel like you're settled in enough to start informing us? Ah, Sure, whatever. Go ahead. Okay, go. Go for it. 
Uh, oh my gosh. What did we do the show last though? Uh, last Thursday. So last just a little over a week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's really mm-hmm. thinking, having to think about it. So basically nothing I'm having has happened. to think happened. about it a little bit. It's been, no, no, no. There's been a lot that's happened. <laughs> so I'm much. trying to think about what is, what is interesting and what is, what is important. It's all interesting stuff. <laughs> let's start with today and then we'll work our way okay. backwards. So actually let's start with yesterday. So I've kind of like hinted at things a little bit, but I'm actually switching practices. So outside of podcast life and, you know, personal life, work life, um, there are some changes taking place. So my last day at my um, job that I've had all of this time um, while I've, you know, been on the, the podcast and talking to you lovely folks out there was yesterday and starting a new practice in a couple of weeks here. Uh, doing exactly the same thing. A lot of people are like, oh, what are you going to be doing? Like, well, exactly the same thing. Nothing's changing there. Just different location, different company, different group of people um, for a variety of reasons. But, uh, you know, it's it's always sad when you leave someplace, especially when you've been someplace for a long time. So um, I've been a little busy trying to to wrap things up there and make sure that patients are taken care of. So yesterday was the last day there. And then um, today, the reason I was tardy, I apologize for that. I did not plan to be, but um, some of the uh, various, uh, some of my colleagues and assistants that I've worked with for the past couple of years wanted to go out to lunch and brunch. And um, that started relatively early this afternoon, but a few of them were um, a little, uh, were not able to be there right on time. So uh, that sounded delicious. (laughs) (laughs) Oops, I forgot to turn my... Oops. Mute my microphone. Sorry about that stuff. So, you know, I felt like as the, the person who is there and, um, you know, the whole reason we were all getting together was because I was leaving. Uh, if they were going to make the effort to stop by, I should not leave early. So um, I was a little very delayed rude. in getting here. I, it would have been a little rude. So, um, you know, I wasn't really planning to be there until like four o'clock, but that's kind of what happened. So um, unfortunately, I was a little, a little bit late getting here, but it was nice that they, you know, that to, to see everyone um, outside of work a little bit and to be able to have a adult beverage and chat and, you know, be a little bit more relaxed, let our hair down, that type of thing. So, um, yeah, I miss having them as coworkers and it's, it's been wonderful uh, being a part of that group for the past almost eight years. Um, just a little bit of time. Well, so, they're going to miss you, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it, that goes both ways, definitely. Yeah. So I'll miss working with them, and, and I'm sure they'll miss having me there. Um, so I still have a whole bunch of stuff in that office. All my life has accumulated there over the past eight years. I need to start to slowly clean that out as well. <laughs> I was thinking about doing that this morning, but I also had an appointment to get my taxes done, so that took a little longer than Oh, yay. Planned. Love taxes. Yes. I was very excited to, yes. to do my taxes this morning, <laughs> let me tell you. Find out how much I owe to Uncle Sam. Um, oh man! Yeah, just a do you bit, have a, a day bit. in the year when you you know you start earning for yourself? As yeah, to it's like end of December fifteenth. <laughs> <laughs> December fifteenth. You work all the way till December fifteenth. Everything from there to like the thirtieth is yours. Everything from yeah, here so, on you out. You sort of live on the last two weeks of December. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So, so that was good. Um, um, I'm working backwards here, Micah. Micah has reminded me that um, uh, <laughs> earlier in the week, I uh, did get a chance to visit with our friend um, Pasadena, Pasadena Brian. So he was here on Tuesday, and we were initially thinking about doing a show on Tuesday. And he's like, oh, 
you know, he was excited, like maybe he'd get a chance to, to be on the show. And then I had to inform him that, no, we, we postponed things, unfortunately. So uh, we really should have recorded something because uh, it sounds like he's had some interesting flying experiences recently, but really um, he's doing well. And it was, stuff. it was, I know it was <laughs> bad on my part. I'm sorry. That's all right. Like we'll, I, let it ag- we'll let it, ag- I know, we'll let it go I know, again. <laughs> Brian, Pasadena Brian, if you are listening, send us in, you know, that feedback about what you're kind of. No, no, no. About. Don't encourage him to do that. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So, yeah, it was <laughs> it was good to see him. Um, you know, and uh, it, was, it was nice to have him in town. We did have a chance to to get together and have a local uh, IPA, and um, th- that was that. That was on Tuesday, um, Wednesday, and Thursday. I did get a chance. I was done a little bit earlier than usual with my um, usual office duties, so went down and uh, did some. Uh, Jumper flying for a couple of hours in the afternoons. Not really my time to fly, but the uh, the chief pilot down there is nice enough just to let me either ride along or you know hang out and, and fly along with him. So it's a good experience always. I learn a lot from him every time I fly with him. So that was Wednesday and Thursday last weekend. Not a lot of flying, um, unfortunately. Um, the forecast looked okay, but then Saturday it was cloudy all afternoon or all day like low ceilings and Sunday was very windy, like gusts up to 30 miles an hour. So not really great for um, skydiving operations, but yeah, that's kind of what's what I've been up to for the past week or so. It's been very busy. A lot of stuff going on. Oh, wait a minute. You weren't. And some night cross country flying last night too. So it's been a, it's, it's been a couple been a busy... weeks actually. Now that I'm thinking about it was just Nick and I last episode, that's right? True. That's yeah. true. What yeah. And I was you? thinking, Why did I miss you guys when we were um, flying, to Providence, which was the day that we recorded the last show last week, Thursday, um, I was looking out the window and I, I was looking at the weather in the Charlotte area. I'm thinking, yes, looks really crappy, the weather. And uh, my first thought was going, what? And then I explained, I said, well, that means that Steph won't be able to do her flying and that she'll be able to join us on the show. But no, nah, yeah. it didn't work out. Like, I guess no, it was better no. than I thought. <laughs> it was it was better than, than expected there. So, <laughs> so yeah. yeah, you know, it's not so great oh, for her, right. but it's good for us. So that's yeah, you know, I'm being yeah. a little, you know. Yeah, and I, I I forgot that you guys did the show uh, solo last week, but yeah, yeah so there was there definitely was flying last week. And man, it's uh, I'm trying to re- even remember all the details of of last week. But all the things you were doing. It's been it's been a little bit of a blur. It's been busy mm-hmm. trying to mostly trying to wrap stuff up at my my day job. Um, yeah. You know, and then add some flying into the mix. Flying is good. Flying's yeah, good. flying's always good. So. Yeah, even throwing out parachutists at night. I was quite impressed with that. No, no, that hasn't happened recently. The last time we, so you were asking oh. about that. We were, yeah, what so, were those pictures from then? So Nick and I were, were having a conversation at two o'clock in the morning last night, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is also why I'm like a little bit tired today. Um, no, 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 no. Um, myself and one of the other pilots, we, um, so our, uh, the 182 that uh, is, is due for an annual, but um, it also hasn't come up against its 100 hour yet. So there's time on the aircraft there, right? So like in the next two weeks, we could fly another 30 something hours before we either reach the 100 hour inspection or the annual inspection. Um, you just have to pay for gas and, you know, a little bit towards maintenance costs of the aircraft. So not a big deal. So, Mostly free. Um, I mean, reduced costs of, of flying if we wanted to, to take it. Um, so um, the other evening we, we took it, or last night we took it um, 
out for a, a small cross-country flight over to Greenville, South Carolina, and had some dinner and nighttime, uh, night cross-country flying, and came back and I was chatting with Nick after he woke up in the morning today, and I had not yet gone to bed, and uh, it was quite late. So, Yeah, it was a little confusing. I was trying to figure out what was this conversation. What time is it that you're having this conversation? Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was confused. <laughs> Very early in the morning. Because you're not uh, usually up, uh, up that late. No, no, not usually. So it's my, I'm also kind of like, Ooh, I'm, I'm, I'm tired at this point. Yeah, I was yeah. just looking at pictures of Steph being fed pizza. Yeah, it looked like a yeah, really was, good there pizza. there was pizza. Too. Yeah. The pizza was yeah. really good. Actually, so so Jeff has been to this um and actually Nick or Rick too. Um Barley's Pizzeria and Tap Room or Barley's Pizza mm-hmm. and Tap Room. There's a location in Asheville, but they also have one in Greenville, and that's where we were. Cool. Last night. So good pizza. But Sweet. late night, definitely. It was a lot of fun. Okay. Anything it's else? It's just I'm- that uh you have been confused, Jeff. Uh sorry, Steph, when you said that you were being Fed pizza by the drop zone owner's wife. Oh. <laughs> and I'm going, a little uh, swinging going on there or something. Dro- yeah. <laughs> oh. That's not exactly what the messaging said. So I think Nick was also a little sleepy still. So, uh, he was not quite awake yet. groggy. <laughs> but it's a nice but Yeah, sometimes, sometimes night uh, parachute operations do occur. They generally occur on full moon nights, which was not last night. Um, the last one we attempted to do was oh. on Halloween. <laughs> No. But um, the weather did not cooperate. Just don't say seal. That that's going to be a big problem. <laughs> I did not say that. I know. I did not say no. that. Just, Someone say seal. Oh, no. <laughs> you said seal, Jack. I know. I messed up. My bad. <laughs> no, not again. <laughs> All right. Um, I didn't say it. So. I know. Yeah. I know. Let's, you, you brought it up. Let's not move me. on. It's no, my fault. say what? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's always my fault. <laughs> Uh, Steph, is there anything else? Uh, if you do think of anything else, please feel There's free. probably something else in there. And I, yeah. mm, well, I can, my, my brain at this point only goes back like three days. Yeah. Um, yeah. I understand. But this has been good. Good. Well, we're so happy you're able to join us on today's show. Yeah. We yeah. missed you. Apologies for, for being a little late. Again, today. don't apologize, please. Well, too late. You already did. Too late. Several I already times. apologize. APG means never having to um, say you're sorry. Yes. Uh, as Liz just said in my ear, APG means never having to say you're sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, I didn't know that How that's what it meant. How can we keep apologizing then? Well, I'm going to apologize if I feel like I need to apologize. <laughs> Where the uh, <laughs> APG stands for Apolo- Apologies Apologetic Pilots Group. There you go. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rick. Now, yes, you're not off the hook here. You were not there last week either, and I'm sure you have some kind of an excuse. Well, the dog ate my homework and <laughs> uh, knew it. couldn't find the keys <laughs> to the house. And uh, now nah, I'm just kidding. I, um, I uh, you know, now cruising at flat level 400, joined the, uh, joined the fourth floor here, turned 40 last week. So, uh, Yay. yeah. How about that? Four years apples? old. Let's get some noise oh, makers. Fantastic. Well done, sir. Yeah. Four it. decades. Who would have thought it? So old. Wow. I know. Old. Still oh, looks so young. Are hurting. <laughs> um, yeah, time to take that ibuprofen. And, uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what's what's so, that stuff that you take good. for your joints that you see everybody at Costco buying, like uh, cases of? Um, glucosamine. Capsa- no, glucosamine. That's it. Yeah, glucosamine. Glucosa. Turmeric. Yeah. 
Yeah. To Enjoy. <laughs> Whatever. Okay. Uh, go ahead, Rick. Oh man. No, I was saying it was, it was good. So we had, um, we had, um, my, my parents, uh, uh, they live out in Virginia. So, uh, them and my youngest sister, uh, who's also in the, uh, DC area for work. Um, they came over to, uh, Phoenix and spent, uh, the week at the house, which was nice, because uh, I actually got in from uh, from a trip on the fourth, and then from the fifth to the eighth, which is the days off that I had, uh, we we kind of you know just it took it easy. Um, did a lot of grilling in the house. The weather was nice, so we jumped in the pool. We uh, you know drove around, did a little bit of off roading, um, and uh, just basically you know spent uh, spent uh, time with the family. Um, so, so that was nice. Uh, and then, um, after that, uh, I headed back out on the eighth to begin the last bit of flying that I'm going to do in the month of April. And the reason why I had just, you know, one, two, three, just four days off between my last trip and this trip is because I did, um, um, I bid for two months uh, worth of flying, uh, back in February. So I did a 60 day line. Uh, the reason behind that is that I needed um, a certain um, group of days off because obviously the birthday thing. And then uh, in the beginning of March, I think it was the beginning of March, I also went through uh, recurrent training. And so I do what's called co- what's called a conflict bidding. So you'll uh, you'll bid your training over f- some flying um, and there's some um, benefits uh, to doing that. And so the only line that had all these days that I needed was the one I'm flying now. And so that's where I am now uh, doing, um, been doing nothing but uh, Hawaii out and back turns from uh, Ontario and now Riverside. So I'll be doing that uh, until the 23rd. And uh, I tell you, I have uh, two down, two to go, but uh, these are, these are, this is the closest to f- being back on the 747 <laughs> that I can that I can remember as far as uh you know being a little bit uh worn down at the end of the at the end of the uh, of the flight I tell you because we 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 depart for Hawaii um around uh what is it uh, about 4 in the afternoon um, California time, and then we'll land in Hawaii and Honolulu about uh, 9 o'clock in the evening, uh, and then so you obviously overnight to go to the hotel, and then the following day you leave at night uh, about nine ten o'clock at night, and then you uh, and then you land here in, in the uh, uh, in the West Coast about five thirty in the morning, and so um, you don't really get you have to manage your, your, your rest and your sleep very carefully to be, uh, properly rested for the, uh, for the trip back. And it's only two of us cause it's a, it's a flight that's less than, uh, remember anything less than eight hours. Uh, uh it's just can be flown by two pilots, you know, duty period up to 12 hours. So the duty p- period, 12 hours on the flight up to eight hours, so just two, two pilots is what you need. So, um, it, uh, it does, uh, it does add up. Um, but I imagine that by the time I'm done with the, uh, with this trip on the 23rd, I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be taking a couple of days off because <laughs> I certainly need it. So uh, that's what I've been up to. I think that Nick uh, could probably back me up on this one. I've heard, although I haven't done that much of it, that the jet lag going home from west to east, which is what you're talking about here, Rick, and what I used to do on the mm-hmm. L-1011 and what Nick used to do 
coming back from the States back to the UK is harder than doing it the other direction. Is that true? Absolutely Nick? agree. I agree. Uh, it used to vary. It was uh, just a bad, also bad time of the day because you yeah. were going through the night uh, flying eastbound, whereas flying westbound, we did it, it was a day flight. So that's obviously an awful lot easier. Well, it was, depends. Uh, if you're not the one actually flying the aircraft yeah. and you could sleep. Well, we couldn't do that. It's not so terrible, but maybe don't do <laughs> right. that if you're the pilot. So, Rick, you're basically doing the same kind of flying that I was doing on the L-1011 because we did not have crew rest facility. We didn't have, yeah. you know, we were in the seat the whole time. And, um, yeah, it, it wears you down. It really does. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, but, I mean, add to that, I mean, you guys were coming from Atlanta, so that's. Yeah, uh, it was even a little bit longer. A lot longer. And so, sometimes uh, we go to San Francisco, sometimes we go to Dallas, and sometimes mm-hmm. Atlanta. That's why I always bid for the trip that had the San Francisco layover on the second layover mm-hmm. period because I could kind yeah, of makes, sort of recover and it was the shortest all night, all nighter, you know, from Honolulu. But I was exactly your age uh, when I was doing it. And I was thinking to myself, mm-hmm. you know, I can't see myself doing this uh, in my fifties. And at the time, you know, uh, retirement age was 60 and thinking, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if I can do this when I'm in my fifties. Cause I was walking around, Honolulu, like in a fog, you know, trying to shake my head and shake, shake all the cobwebs out of my head. And I'm thinking, I'm, I'm a relatively young person here, and this is not good. Maybe I should look into doing domestic flying as I get older, which is what I'm doing right now. Yeah, so. and I tell you, I mean, I, uh, I, uh, I'm loving the domestic flying, particularly the, uh, the, the shorter type legs mm-hmm. and not having to deal with, uh, you know, Time zone changes of you know six, seven, eight, twelve hours, and mm-hmm. uh, not knowing what date it is, where date it is, <laughs> who and, uh, you are, so uh, what's your name? Who you I are, don't know. how you got <laughs> here, where am I? <laughs> so uh, it? it's, what hotel room am I in? Oh, <laughs> exactly, oh, and, it, and it still happens to me to this day. Actually, earlier today when I came back from uh, came back from the gym, I was uh, yeah, I ended up going to the uh, to the wrong floor because yeah. like, oh, you go God, into the elevator. You know? This happens a lot. It's like. Uh, what for? <laughs> and then, of course, you know, stupidly, I forgot to bring the little uh, room key sleeve that actually has the you know the the number and <laughs> the floor. Yeah. Uh, you know what I? You, you know probably what just I have do? like a collection I, of hotel room keys too. Now there's you know just like little credit card I, deals. You're like, well, yeah. I don't even know which one's the right one. <laughs> exactly. What I do is I like to I don't I don't like to key, uh, to carry the little sleeve around with me because it's got obviously the key and the room number. Mm-hmm. So if you lose it, you know you can have access to the, to everything. So what I right. do is I'll I'll take the key out. I'll keep it in my wallet, and then I'll put the room number in the calculator app of the phone, uh, and I'll just hmm. look at that. So, there you go. Or some people just take their facts. phone and like just take a picture of the of the door, you know, with the number on it. Exactly. That's so, a, uh, I never think to do that. I always forgot to turn the camera around and just take a picture of <laughs> myself. A picture of accident. your. <laughs> 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 there, let me look at my room. Oh. Why do I have all these <laughs> random selfies? <laughs> there I am. <laughs> See what this kind of flying does to you, to your, to your brain. Come on. Oh man. Just, uh, I tell you, I tell you, but, uh, but it's good. It's, it's, right. it's nice. I like, I like, uh, I like flying during the daytime now. That's yeah, me I too. <laughs> you're turning, you're turning into I'm turning, you're yeah. getting old. Yeah. I'm getting old. Yeah. I'm well, old. that's what happens when you're 40. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Happened overnight too. Don't it's feel all this way. Down, yeah, just like that. All downhill from here. <laughs> Sorry. I have so much to look forward to. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Barely, young lady. Um, yeah. Rub it in. All right. Um, I got another year to rub it in, so I'm going to. Yeah. I know. Sorry. So, Rick, um, 
good to uh, have you with us again. We missed you and uh, happy birthday belated. Thank you very much. Happy birthday. Happy to be back. Okay. Nick, what's up with you, man? Well, uh, I had a great time in the hairdressers, as you can see. Ooh, look at that. And I had it, yeah, I know. I had it specially done in time for um, joining Sebastian, who was in the chat room earlier, and Sarah. Um, they do their German. Hello, top of my head. You need to duck down a little bit because we're. There you go. How's that? <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> They uh, they do the the, the uh, very very good German uh, uh, air crash a podcast and their English version uh, which they have now done I think uh, the initial intro plus two uh, this was their third um, and we recorded a show talking about uh, Air France four four seven a pretty notorious uh, incident accident I should say. Um, and uh, that was great fun. Uh, there are a lovely uh, couple of uh, fine podcasters, uh, you know, and despite the fact they're working, both of them in their second language, it went very well, I thought, uh, and was uh, very enjoyable. Uh, and they were, they're alternating now. They do one German language, one English language, and uh, the, ne- the English language version that uh, I was helping out on will be out on the 30th of April. And, of course, I, uh, as I've said before, wish them well with their new English uh, version of Air Crash Podcast called Air Incident Podcast. So if you want to listen, look for Air Incident Podcast on your podcatcher of choice. Now, uh, possibly uh, of more interest here in the UK, we've been uh, very – oh, I'm going to crank myself back up here. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of embarrassing hopefully we don't have yeah. any video of that yeah oh, that, that, that was perfect thank you liz <laughs> that was ideal we we've suffered the loss of a very senior member of our royal family um the husband to the queen the queen's consort his royal highness the duke of edinburgh prince philip uh passed away um a little earlier this uh month look at all those um, medals unexpected my goodness yes i know uh, yeah, wow. uh, it's amazing. Um, not unexpected, he was 99 years of age. So, yeah, he would, you know, he would have been 100 this year because he was born in 1921. Um, married to the Queen for 73 years, which I think was pretty impressive. But uh, despite his, you know, amazing age, uh, we've had a period of mourning in the UK because, and in the Commonwealth come to that because he was quite a remarkable chap. Uh, he was uh, a young child of the Greek royal family. Um, they fled their country uh, following a military crew, a coup, a military coup. Uh, and he grew up more or less stateless in Europe. Um, uh, he was a prince of, a prince of both uh, Greece and Denmark. But when his grandfather, Prince Louis of Battenberg, renounced his German titles... Um, to become a naturalized British citizen, Philip uh, followed him to Britain and uh, ended up joining the Royal Navy. Uh, now termed, uh, changed his name to Mountbatten, and he served uh, brave. Did you say that he has uh, some Danish blood? Yes, he does. Oh, you know what? That absolutely. must that must be why he is so good looking. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, no, I quite agree. It, it, <laughs> fine, hawkish <laughs> nose, I would say. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
Yeah, yeah. He, he fought all the through the war in the, the Navy, uh, in the Mediterranean and the Pacific fleets. In fact, he was present at the surrender uh, of the of Japan. Uh, he was defending convoys, took part in major battles, uh, uh, considered a, quite a rising star. He's one of the youngest uh, lieutenants in the Navy at the time. Uh, great potential. Um, he served as the first lieutenant on, pardon me, a fast and heavily armed flotilla leader, HMS Wallace. He was mentioned in dispatches, and at the end of the war, he continued his Navy career, even after he'd met and married uh, the king's daughter, uh, uh, Elizabeth. He was actually commanding his own frigate, HMS Magpie, uh, and uh, he'd taken a bit of uh, leave to do a tour of the Commonwealth when the king passed away, and he became the consort to the queen and uh, placed on permanent leave of absence from the navy. Now, as the queen's consort, he had no official duties, but uh, he had a great interest in many things, uh, including aviation. Uh, the RAF taught him to fly in a chipmunk and then in a North American Harvard. He earned his uh, RAF pilot's wings. Sorry, I'm going to take a swig of beer here. Ex excuse me, Liz, is this the uh, plain tale that we're doing right now? No, nope. <laughs> nope. no, <laughs> nearly, it's not. <laughs> nearly. He uh, got his uh, RAF pilot's wings and then he uh, became a helicopter pilot with the Navy, got his PPL in 1959, uh, although his duties, of course, prevented him from staying current. Uh, on uh, aircraft he flew. He um, had considerable experience on 59 different types of aircraft and more than 5,000 hours. Um, very keen and capable on royal flights. He would frequently um, come up uh, from the comfortable uh, back end of the airplane to sit at the controls. He loved flying and only stopped in 1997. He was uh, the grandmaster of the Guild of Air Pilots and Air Navigators, uh, which he... Um, started that duty in 1952. Um, he was the patron of the Air League, which is a charity promoting interest in aviation uh, through scholarships and uh, bursaries. And Buzz Aldrin, who he met, wrote of him that Prince Philip was an aviation buff and full of questions. Indeed, he was always a champion of aviation, and his presence in the air will sadly missed. Now, tomorrow is his funeral, and he himself decided in advance many of the details. Um, for example, his coffin will be carried in a simple green military Land Rover, modified by his design, uh, and the altar will be decorated with um, some of the awards and medals that were given to him around the world, and that he chose which ones he wanted to have displayed. But amongst all the gaudy ribbons and the fine enamel and precious metal, uh, and beside his field marshal's baton are uh, just a simple pair of embroidered uh, RAF wings. So I thought that was very poignant and a fitting tribute to him as a, as a great aviator, as well as being a much-loved member of the uh, royal family. Awesome. Yeah. Um, quite a loss, but um, wow, what a an amazing life and uh and quite a long quite a long one <laughs> yeah, oh, to, yeah. Make it to, nine, to make it to 99 is no uh, small feat and <laughs> exactly you know. right yeah, yeah he, he was very much uh the father of the royal family the queen was is the head of the state but 
he kind of uh, you know ran the royal family and uh, did a lot to modernize uh, the royal family and uh, to uh, encourage and innovate. Uh, he was very keen on uh, the engineering world, uh, the world of design and technology, took a great interest in many things. So uh, I think he'll be very sadly missed. Yeah. And you'll be happy to know, and probably not surprised, that even over here in North America, uh, quite a lot of uh, attention and coverage uh, devoted to his death. Yeah, I think uh, he was a very handsome man and, uh, you know, much loved. Uh, so oh, despite the fact that everyone says he uh, he was a very direct speaker, uh, knew a lot about, you know, if he was talking to you, he knew a lot about your subject and you weren't able to get one over him at all, ever. <laughs> he was also renowned for making uh, a few gaffes, which uh, we all found very amusing back here. But, of course, uh, <laughs> the diplomatic circles weren't appreciated. <laughs> I, I thought they were funny. <laughs> yeah, we thought they were brilliant. We always loved them. The newspapers used to make a big fuss about them, but we all said they were great. Yeah. I mean, though, can you imagine if uh, you know newspapers were following any of the four of us around on a regular basis with no. everything we said or did? Oh, man. man. Gaffs galore. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> GG, gaffs galore. Mm -hmm. But it, it, I think it must have been hard, that transition from being a very capable officer who could well have been the first, uh, you know, got to the rank of first sea lord, uh, to, to become uh, the queen's supporter, uh, just one pace behind her and helping her through all her duties. That must have been quite a transition from him, for him. Yeah. But one, he, he managed marvellously. And uh, I think, as the Queen has rightly said, she was uh, uh, he was her right-hand man. He was the man that helped her through a lot of her life. Well, he'll be sorely missed. Absolutely. All right. Anything else, Nick? Anything in your life Personally, other than the uh, appearance on that outstanding uh, air crash um, podcast? Yeah, I'm still waiting for my check from Sebastian. Uh, oh. but, Sebastian's you know, here in the live audience. I think he's in the audience. chat room. Yeah, yeah I, so. I, live in, I live in hope that uh, my check will arrive. Um, uh, no, no, personally, no, no, not really. Uh, I, I ache uh, in lots of places, but I'm trying to ignore it. I was chatting with a doctor today about muscle spasms, but... Uh, uh, hopefully, you know, a bit diazepam might help. Mm. All right. It's a good muscle relaxant. <laughs> Glucosamine. Yeah, floppy and, on the next show. Yeah. <laughs> be like a jellyfish. <laughs> Alcohol does wonders as well. I just, somebody told me. All right. Um, okay. Is there a frog somewhere? Right. I hear a frog. <laughs> I wasn't sure if Nick was making fun of me. I definitely have the hiccups right now. Uh-oh, so. uh -oh. that's, that's good. Um, your host has unmuted your mic. That's very nice of you. Thank you. I didn't do it. Who did that? I didn't do it. Um, <laughs> I did it. Ah, Liz did it. She's fessing up. Okay. Uh, let's see. I'm going to just a quick thing for me here. Uh, since the last show, I finished up that trip that I was on that uh, we um, recorded the last show on with over. I'm not sure what preposition to use. Um, and had a short weekend full of singing. I'm singing. Uh, and uh, then it was just Saturday and Sunday off and then back out again on Monday for a three-day trip with layovers in Tallahassee, Florida and 
Tallahassee, oh, my, Tallahassee, Tallahassee, Tallahassee. No, that's Kakalaki. Tallahassee, Florida. And uh, oh, by the way, they're this restaurant, uh, Harry's Seafood Grill uh, Bar and Grill, has awesome crawfish etouffee. Mm, that was good. And uh, Omaha. What do they do with the crawfish to make it a etouffee or whatever you said? They etouffee them. They, yeah. <laughs> exactly. What, do they sneeze on. on them? I have no idea what they do, but I, I really like, don't want to know. I'm not a chef, but use your imagination. <laughs> it was good. <laughs> and uh, wow. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> That's funny. Okay. Uh, let's see. And oh, um, I've mentioned it, I think. In the past, that I uh, was uh, a guest on a couple of different uh, podcasts, one called Hear Me Out, and okay, and uh, also, let's see, Hear Me Out, ooh, I picked the right direction, uh, and the other one over here, uh, Adventure Flying, uh, the Icon uh, podcast, and uh, they have bo- both, but that, but they have both been released in the last well today the adventure flying show and our podcast and uh, hear me out a couple of days ago now i will say that um the, the person who edited uh, my audio in hear me out um sped me up a little bit so those of you who are listening to the podcast in 1.5 or 2.0 speed um they'll they'll be used to me sounding like that um i'm not used to hearing myself talk that fast and it actually kind of raised my heart rate and i I think i almost had a stroke listening to myself and i had to stop listening because i couldn't stand listening to that guy um but (laughs) anyway and that's pretty bad when you can't stand listening to yourself um but uh anyway that was a lot of fun uh hearing me out uh convincing um uh, one of the co-hosts of the uh podcast that uh, both of them needed to get their private pilot license. Exactly not what I was expecting at all because I thought I was going to be giving them details. Remember, Steph, I mentioned that I was going to contact you and get all the information about yeah, for sure. how many hours and all that kind of stuff. And then it turns out that they didn't ask me any of that stuff. It was uh, well, kind of threw me for a loop. But uh, mm-hmm. it was it was fun nonetheless. There were a bunch of funny guys. And then the adventure flying um, – uh, Paul Nyhart, uh, the host of that, uh, a, a, quite a, a gentleman, and he did an amazing job editing the thing. And uh, let's see, I think I might, did I do, oh, let me just play just a little bit, like a little teaser of it. And uh, then if you're interested in listening to it, then uh, you can check it out. I'm responsible for all those people aboard my jet, uh, all the passengers, uh, the crew, the cabin crew, their safety. I mean, they're up out of their seats more than they're sitting down. Uh, so I'm constantly thinking about what is happening with my cabin crew, the passengers. Hi, I'm Paul. In this episode, I'll be speaking with the airline pilot guy, Captain Jeff, a.k.a. Jeff Nielsen. <laughs> there you go. little tease. Okay. Uh, so thank you, uh, the Hear Me Out guys and Paul for inviting me to be on your show. It's a little bit different thing. And uh, now I'm, I'm, I'm getting up there, you know, getting close. I don't know, not probably not nowhere close to Steph's and, uh, and uh, Nick's uh, guest appearances on other shows, but I'm, tr- I'm trying. 
Just ask my wife. Uh, Nick far outweighs anything I've done on guest appearances on other podcasts. <laughs> yeah, he's the king of guesting, guest hosting on podcasts. I'm just a prostitute. Well, I mean, we, did, we didn't I want to say, say that, it, but I figured I'd leave it to you All right. to well, classify yourself. Delf prep, self, delf separation, self deprecation. Or should I say a gigolo? <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know, oh, however you want to term it. Uh, I know. I, I've only had an, like one beer. That's it. I know. I know. I know. Okay. Um, at least since we started this show, um, I did receive something in snail mail. Oops. Sorry. Uh, a uh, is Dave Ogden here with us? He uh, was. He was. I oh, haven't seen him. He was. Okay. Yeah, he was there. Uh, Liz says he was. I don't know. He may still be. Well, anyway, I hope he is because he. Uh, I was going to meet up with him in Houston, but uh, back uh, earlier last month, I was not feeling one hundred percent, and uh, I kind of, you know, said uh, I kind of begged off uh, getting together with him last um, last month, but. Uh, he said, oh, I have something that I made for you, and I'll just go ahead and send it to you in the mail. I went, okay, cool. So he has a he got a 3D printer for Christmas as a gift, and he saw this, what is it, instruction set? Um, I'm not sure what you call it in 3D printing. Um, whatever. Okay. Thank you, Liz. She made me a single... Um, this, look at this. He made this on his 3d printer. This is it a banana. No, Very it's cool. a Boeing 717, a DC nine. Um, and wow. it's actually, you gotta be careful. Uh, well, I, I kind of dry fit the, it's in sections and, uh, I haven't permanently affixed the sections, uh, together yet. There's some tape and stuff like that. But anyway, I just wanted to show this to you so uh, cool. on the show. Isn't that nice? Here, I, I don't know if you cool. can see the detail. It of is this fine, lovely. Yeah. It's yeah. flying around, but it's not making any jet noise. Oh, well, you <laughs> can Use do your that for me if you'd like. <laughs> I'm not going to fall for that one. Okay. Are those jet noises? That's so real. That's <laughs> <laughs> real. Stage well, I took lessons from an expert. <laughs> okay. Uh, so anyway, thank you, Dave, David Ogden, for doing that for me. Uh, much appreciated. And uh, it came through the mail without getting destroyed, which is a pretty, pretty amazing. Oh, Rich from Sheffield. <laughs> <laughs> How's that for a realistic laugh? I can almost no, see I the smoke. Seven one seven was an oil burner. Not a coal That's burner. right. It's a little bit more modern. <laughs> yeah, more yeah, advanced than on. the Mad Dog. Yeah. Get your yeah. facts right, Rich. Uh, that's okay. I can take it. All right, that is it for getting to know us. It's time to move on to the coffee fund and hit the sound clip. Thank you. Johnny, how much more coffee? No thanks. I love coffee. I love tea. Come on, Steph, sing with me. I love, love the APG community. Coffee and tea and the Java and me. A cup, a cup, a cup, a cup, a cup. Oh, yeah. That is Jeff Smith. He's, an, he's a great guy. He's written amazing 
jingles for all kinds of podcasts. He's the podcast jingle guy. So if you have a podcast, contact Jeff Smith. That's with a G, the go-to guy. Anyway, now I've just cut through all the time that I need for doing this. Uh, the Coffee Fund is your way to support the show financially. So to buy, you know, like get people to make nice little sound clips for your show. Anyway, um, Jeff Smith, did I mention him? Uh, since we have a couple of different ways to uh, join the coffee club and coffee bar club, and one is the coffee fund classic method. And since the last show, we have these people, JJ Pittsburgh, George Leslie, Tom Seagraves, Rob Woolley, and Jenny Parkinson. They use the uh, coffee fund classic method for donating to our show. And we also have something called Patreon. You can become a patron of the show. And we have a new executive producer. Yay, Jeff. Oh, wait, maybe that's Jeff Smith, the guy that wrote this, who's singing right now. Probably not. Uh, He just goes by Jeff. He doesn't want anybody to identify him. Yeah, it's like Cher. Thank you, Liz. Perfect. Yes, that's who it is. It's Jeff. And thank you very much for becoming a patron of the show. If you want to join this great group of people, please head over to airlinepilotguy.com slash coffee. And now the rest. Oh, you know what? Okay. Yeah, we're getting close to the uh, point at which we normally do the plain tale. And so instead of starting with feedback, let's go ahead and roll the old pilot's plain tales. And this week's installment is entitled The A to J of Aviation. The Old Pilot's Plain Tales. The A to J of Aviation. The language of aviation is treasured by those of us who use it, especially since it separates us from those poor earthbound souls who don't spend their lives with their eyes cast skywards, up to the heavens, muttering, that sounds like an RB211, or, no, that's not a North American BC-1, it's a Harvard. However, in the spirit of fairness, particularly to spouses who stand impatiently eyes rolling as we converse with our Avgeek friends about how pretty that wedge tail is, here are a few pointers to help you join in the conversation. A is for aircraft. It could easily have been for aileron, the control surface that moves an aircraft around the longitudinal axis, a direction that's usually referred to as rolling, and is a common but useless manoeuvre performed in movies as a way to avoid air-to-air missiles. It doesn't. You're just going to die whilst rolling as you proceed in much the same path as you did before. Bear in mind that as you roll, a gyroscopic force is also at play and suitably precessed through 90 degrees unless the mass of your aircraft is perfectly balanced around the rolling axis and you have strong directional stability, it's going to make the nose yaw. This divergence will eventually cause your aircraft to swap ends, usually with the same result being hit by that missile. Ironic, isn't it? No, A is for aircraft, because no true professional called his aircraft a plane, airplane, aeroplane, and the like. America, I have learned, has somehow become an exception to this rule. It's acceptable to be more specific, such as airliner, 
fighter, biplane, amphibian, airship, glider, gyrocopter and such, but in general avoid anything that ends in plane, such as jet plane, war plane, light plane, the one exception being sail plane. B is for bag, in particular a flight bag. Yes, I know it could be an F, but I'm writing this, not you. Pretty soon in your aviation career, flying aircraft, you're going to want to look the part. This involves the complex process of acquiring a flight bag. Other professionals have tried to adopt this vital piece of luggage. Travelling salesmen, doctors, international assassins and the like, but it remains a possession of and within the purview of only pilots. Although younger and more hip professional aircrew might sometimes have adopted a more casual approach to this vital accoutrement for a professional pilot, messenger bags and backpacks might give an air of nonchalance and indifference to a young first officer, but it does little to inspire confidence and passengers are more likely to think that it would contain a bong than a CRP-5. Please see the letter C. Only a proper flight bag looks good being carried by a uniformed airline pilot. A flight bag must be sturdy, but be a bit battered, giving an air of long service. It is carried, not pulled, and it shows the result of a little loving care. It should, however, never look new. It opens at the top, giving easy access to the contents, but nowadays probably contains little more than aviator sunglasses, a water bottle, sandwich, torch, and the all-important iPad, which has replaced the heavy tomes of Jefferson approach plates it used to carry. Stickers on a flight bag are sometimes acceptable, but as one moves up in rank, they should be less obvious and more significant, like ones from an old but respected airline that has gone to the wall and a discreet union that puts the fear of God into management. C is for CRP-5. We all have one, but few can still remember how to do anything but the most simple conversions on it. To the uninitiated, the CRP-5 is basically a circular slide rule, known in the States as a slipstick, which to us British is too similar to slapstick, a form of low comedy. The slide rule is a mechanical analogue computer that can perform multiplication, division, roots, logarithms, trigonometry and exponents. It resembles a ruler which was found to be awkward to use in a cockpit, so a circular version was developed for pilots and navigators, etc. Our circular version makes up for the lack of scales a slide rule possesses by having a transparent rotating disc on the back which can be marked by pencil and when used in conjunction with the sliding plate will calculate drift and ground speed etc. It also has conversion windows for fuel weight, true airspeed, altitude corrections and such. If you have a metal E6B known in the Royal Air Force as a Dalton Computer Dead Reckoning Mark IV and nicknamed the Dalton Confuser, then you get extra marks. Don't be put off by the fact that Amelia Earhart and Fred Noonan had them. 
They are harder to use than an app on your phone, but don't need recharging. D is for drag. Going to an airport can be a real drag, particularly when you're in a hurry. Check-in, security, immigration, getting through the maze of shops, queuing at your gate are all a drag. This phenomena is so well known that if you go on the NASA website and look for the page listing the velocity effects on aerodynamic forces at the Glenn Research Center, you can read that D equals constant times V squared. So if you attempt to double your velocity, your drag will quadruple. There is also a drag effect when actually flying unless you've managed to blag your way into first class, which is immune to drag because of the sophisticated drag reduction devices deployed in the bar there. In aviation, drag is a real thing. Trying to go fast means lots of drag, which continually fight your efforts. A great deal of drag comes from the effort of flying, and for generations, aircraft manufacturers and designers have employed ways to reduce it, but it never goes completely away. Often, a drag reduction, like having a nice first class, is balanced by an increase in drag in economy, often measured by the level of screaming. E is for empennage. If a non-av geek drops this term into a conversation, it'll go quiet and heads will slowly turn, revealing slack-jawed and wide-eyed expressions. But if you're the aviation infant in this group, hold your nerve and confidently follow it up with something like, yes, it needed to be sizable because it used to suffer from Dutch roll at high level. As far as you know, a Dutch roll might be a type of crunchy bread, ubiquitous in San Francisco, made of tender white bread topped with a rice flour coating that bakes into an incredibly crisp and crackly topping. And indeed it is. In the world of aviation, however, it's often banded about, but trying to get someone to explain it usually involves a lot of squirming and then a visit to the toilet until the conversation has moved on. The empennage of an aircraft is a generic term for the tail assembly that provides control and stability in flight. It consists of the fin and tail plane, or vertical and horizontal stabilators in the States, which steady the aircraft in the yawing and pitching axes. The fin supports the rudder, which yaws the aircraft, and the tail plane, the elevator, which pitches it. Dutch roll is a form of yaw-roll-coupled instability that is common in swept-wing aircraft with weak directional stability and strong lateral stability. Disturbed in yaw, if slow to straighten, the aircraft will respond with the advancing wing rolling upwards. This increase in lift causes a corresponding increase in drag that now yaws the aircraft in the other direction, and the opposite effect occurs. The full cycle takes four to six seconds to complete, and if not corrected, it can amplify with each cycle, leading to disaster. A Boeing 707 test pilot once turned off the yaw dampers on an acceptance flight, and the handling pilot entered a Dutch roll so severe 
that it tore three of the engines clean off the wing. F is for flap. There are many kinds of flaps in aviation, the most common coming from the back whenever we have a little emergency. We all hope that the flight crew can keep it all together, but nowadays even that's not a sure bet. It's probably better if we consider the other kind, that is preceded by a descriptor like simple, split, slotted, double-slotted, triple-slotted, fowler, and those are just a few of the rear ones. Flaps, be they at the front or the back, change the shape of the wing, allowing it to work better at lower speed, making it safer and easier to land, and it gives the pilot something to talk about on the way down. F also works for fuselage, the bit you sit in. Free stream, the air you don't influence by your passage, and F it. But mainly that's for the words used when the landing doesn't go quite as expected. F is also for flatus, something that is verboten in the cockpit. And follow me, two things that should be mutually exclusive. A follow me is a car driven by someone who knows their way around an airfield, providing assistance to those who don't. Try not to follow him back to his parking garage. G is for GR. It's a code found in Terminal Aviation Forecasts and Meteorological Aerodrome Reports, which can beat your aircraft into a pulp. There's many a pilot who wished they'd been a bit more circumspect and circumnavigated their way around the circumference of a cumulonimbus storm cloud, which typically holds or precipitates GR, rather than blundering their way through it. When GR hits, the noise can be so loud and dramatic that speech is often impossible. Windshields crack, radomes are crushed, Wing and empennage leading edges are dented, and navigation lights smashed. Indeed, anything that even comes close to protruding into the slipstream is fair game for destruction. If you're lucky, your engines will have survived the encounter, and you'll still be able to see through your pitted windshield, although your aerials might have been destroyed, preventing radio communications or an instrument landing. GR is a good reason for giving CBs and thunderstorms a wide berth, since large ones can be devastating. GR refers to hailstones greater than 5 millimeters. that's quarter of an inch. That's just the minimum size. And remember, Noah has recorded a hailstone that fell in Vivian, South Dakota in 2010 that was 8 inches across, over 20 centimetres, and weighed nearly two pounds, or almost a kilo. GR can spoil your day. H is for hangar. This is the place to tell plane tales. It's where old pilots hang around, regaling anyone silly enough to listen with their stories of daring do, like the time they had nothing on the clock but the maker's name, and that was in Chinese. A hangar has a special smell, granted to it by generations of mechanics who have daubed its floor with a heady mixture of oil and aviation fuel, hydraulic fluid and dope, leather polish and paint fumes. 
It can be as quiet as a cathedral, and there is a compulsion to walk around gently in fear of waking the spirits of long-dead aviators. It should be made from corrugated iron sheets tacked together on an ancient wood frame and should house a wonderful mix of bright, shiny, sleek, expensive aircraft with clear perspex and smooth, unblemished props. But in the darker corners, there should be treasure. An old, dusty relic of yesteryear, with half-flat tyres, pistons sticking out of the cowling, a chipped wooden prop, oil-stained canvas, cables and turnbuckles in plain sight, and no radio, barely an instrument panel, but a wealth of memories written on its sagging wings. I is for incidents, particularly its angle. In aviation, it's something that every aircraft has. Some people refer to it as the mounting angle. Stop doing that. The angle of incidence is the angle between the cord line, the line between the leading and trailing edges of the wing, to the longitudinal axis of the fuselage. Put more plainly, it's how the wing is set or rigged when the aircraft is built. On a light aircraft, it's commonly around six degrees up, so that as you trundle down the runway, the wing is presented to the relative airflow at a positive angle of attack and, without too much assistance from the pilot, will start producing lift. For more complex aircraft, with advanced wing designs of variable symmetry, it's not so simple as the cord line will vary all the way along the wing. An instance of variable incidence is rare, since most wings are securely bolted to the fuselage and will remain set for life, or a particularly bad landing. However, I'm sure the ab geeks out there will be already shouting, Mignette Poo de Sel! and they would be right. The Flying Flea was an unusual little self-built biplane that employed a pair of staggered wings and no tailplane, so no elevators. Instead, the front wing was placed forward of the centre of gravity so that an increase or decrease in lift would pitch the aircraft up and down. This change in lift was achieved by moving the front wing, altering its angle of incidence, thereby changing the angle of attack and the value of lift. It kind of worked, but then a lot of crashes meant that a lot of countries banned them. At the other end of the speed scale was the Vought F-8 Crusader. The Crusader was the last of the Navy's gunfighters, a supersonic maneuverable jet with four 20mm Colt Mark 12 cannons as the primary weapons. It also carried sidewinders, which during the Vietnam War actually proved more successful at killing MiGs than the guns. What was novel about the Crusader was its ability to crank the leading edge of its wings up by 7 degrees to increase the angle of incidence for takeoff and landing. This gave an increase in lift whilst preventing an unacceptably high nose position to degrade the view out of the front windows. J is for jetway. J is also for jet bridge, jet walk, but not air gate, finger, gangway, air dock, aero bridge, sky bridge, aero gangplank, air tube, 
Passenger Boarding Bridge or Expedited Suspended Passenger Entry System, even though these perform exactly the same function. They just don't begin with the letter J. They are all movable connectors which extend from an airport gate to an aircraft, allowing passengers to get on or off without being exposed to the weather. Although I've been to some airports where the conditions in the jetway are worse than outside. Anyone who has walked down one can recall the excitement of nearly getting to their shiny airliner only to turn the corner and have their expectations shattered when faced with a huge queue of grumpy punters also waiting to get on. Airports usually charge more for using jetways, so if you've been bussed out to see a set of mobile stairs on your aircraft, you're flying with cheapskate airways. Jetways are even used by astronauts, but I bet they don't get soggy carpets and adverts for HSBC Bank on theirs. You sing with me. You know, I need to hear more about the angle of mounting. <laughs> right? Didn't you say something uh, yeah, I, about? Excuse me. No. Uh, <laughs> Didn't you say something about the next, reason, That's the next you, plane tale. You Jeff shouldn't Gregory. be using that. <laughs> well, you said something about incidents and mounting. I thought that's what caught my ear. All, all yeah. Jeff heard was angle and mounting. <laughs> oh, that's it. Okay. Everything well, else about my imagination. I said some, <laughs> some people call it the angle of um, of mounting. Don't do that. Oh, I'm sorry. I missed that part. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. Your your eyes had already glazed over. I did. I started going off into like all kinds of you know <laughs> dreaming. I guess. Anyway, yeah. uh, great. I love that. So that was uh, a good one. It that's too bad that one. we don't have any more letters in the alphabet. We only did J in the English alphabet. Oh. Well, like, I, I only got 20 minutes, you know. I'm going to have to do the rest of the alphabet, which is actually a lot more, in the remaining 20 minutes, which is going to be hard work. Oh. Good luck. Good luck with that. Well, you could always, oh, you know, man. parse it into even smaller little chunks. Of the I could alphabet. I could. You want me to do that? I didn't say that that would be a good idea. You're the (laughs) you're the one in charge of plane tails. Yeah, you're the you're the man. That's true. Yeah, Yeah. it's your thing. It's a pretty easy one. Uh, I have to say that that plane tail was prompted by our um, listener who wrote in last show, whose name was ABC AJ. Oh, ABC. Ah, Alpha Bravo Charlie. Yeah, you the see? blimp guy. Yeah, I went, ABC. AJ. 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 That's why we only got those letters. I thought it was a reasonable guess. <laughs> that was a reasonable that was guess. A actually, it wasn't bad at all. Yeah. Here's your challenge, Nick. Oh my god. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, speaking. Speaking. I don't know what those letters are. <laughs> speaking of AJ, I mean not AJ. Uh, ABC Alpha Bravo Charlie. We received some feedback from this person. And uh, he sent us some video feedback. And uh, let me share that with everybody. I think I do this here. Yeah, perfect segue. Man, you're good. All right, here we go. Hey, everyone there at APG. Caught my first episode live today and thought I'd chime in. And you guys thought it was still April Fool's, but it is definitely not. 
listening here live from the Zeppelin NT, the Goodyear Zeppelin NT. It's a lovely little ship. I like uh, listening to you guys' stuff. Just want to say keep up the good work. I initially found it when I had to drive Uber when I was putting myself through Part 147 school. Now I'm an AMP and uh, work with Goodyear. I love it. Keep it up. Is that awesome or what? That is awesome. That's yeah, right. that is brilliant. Awesome. Now, wow. look, opposing bases may have a listener in the <laughs> Antarctic, but we've got one on the Goodyear blimp. Right. That trumps the Antarctic. Top that. Our <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So, Absolutely. So, uh, brilliant. yeah, Rick and Steph, um, you missed it. He was in our uh, live audience last week. He said, hello from the Goodyear blimp. And we're going, yeah, right. Sure. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Pull the <laughs> other one. <laughs> you guys are just so full of disbelief. Yeah, like, I know nobody believes well, us. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I was going. Nah, come on. <laughs> so but, he uh, had to no, it was true. Yeah. Thank you very yeah, much. I'm very impressed. That is really cool. Alpha really Bravo cool, Charlie, yeah. thanks for sending that in. That's awesome. And he's out on yeah, the west and coast. The, and for your prompt for the plane tail. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There you go. It's all your Appreciate fault. Appreciate the video, uh, the video <laughs> feedback too. It's really nice to see the. Oh, yeah. that was cool. I was nice? extremely cool. Yeah, we're well, hoping we that it work. was okay for us to play that on the show. <laughs> if <laughs> if not, <laughs> oops, sorry. Sorry yeah. about that. I hope you can get a job at the other blue company. <laughs> hey, <laughs> is which uh, one is that? <laughs> I don't. Yeah, well, the other one, the MetLife one. Mm, oh, yeah. No way, MetLife got bought out by someone. The else. other ones, uh, of course, a lot of them out there. there there's uh, there's uh, there's some military blimps uh, out in the Middle East. Mm. There's some uh, navy yeah, I, I used, ones I used that to, are tethered. I used to see them all around. Uh, I used to see them all around tethered around the, uh, the the bases out there in Afghanistan. That was a. Uh, yeah, we got them that along the uh, southern United yeah. States as well. Yeah, yep. little restricted areas. Hey, um, is John Jester? He's usually with us on uh, in the live audience. Oh, he's not I with us not in the live audience. I seen him today. Oh, that's too bad. No, I haven't seen him today. No. He probably gave up. He said, working. you know, shoot, I sent this uh, uh, yeah. feedback in a long time ago, and obviously they're just ignoring me. So forget them. I'm not going to – I'm going to go join the – Opposing bases live audience or the PTUK live audience. Forget those stupid people at APG. <laughs> but we're gonna do his we're gonna do his feedback anyway. Um, John <laughs> sent this in. Um, he said, uh, "Read the headline." So this is from I think something that he gets uh, he, he uh, subscribes to uh, email subscription to flight safety information fsinfo.org, your source for aviation news. That's other more sauce other than is that tomato no, sauce source, as well source see sauce, sauce so nick sauce does not have an r in it okay. well it's i think it said sauce have you had tomato today, sauce nick? <laughs> barbecue I'm sauce about your... yeah like uh, i think they showed well, the sauce darling some food here somewhere <laughs> <laughs> would somebody get the nurse <laughs> All right. Okay, here we go. Pass the sauce, nurse. Okay. Um, so he says he really enjoyed this uh, headline title from this flight safety information aviation news email that he subscribes to. <laughs> yes, please throw that up there, Liz. Okay. Um, oh, shoot. The little thing up there that's blocking it. It says... Um, uh, I should read it. Uh, T... 
Tui, Nederland, B763 near Leeds on March 22nd, 2021. Flight mismanagement system. (laughs) 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 So that's uh, Simon, the guy that does uh, Aviation Herald, being funny. He has a good sense of humor. So John thought that that was funny. Funnier than anything we do here, according to John. And uh, so he sent that in. He must have a pretty low opinion of our sense of humor. <laughs> he does. Well, Trust me. We set the bar low so that you we can do. raise it for us. Exactly. We do that so that you are you actually think that you're funny. <laughs> Listeners. Okay. Uh, let's move on to uh, this one. Dan said... This is number five. Hi, Jeff, Rick, and the rest of the amazing crew. Oh, sorry, Steph and Liz and Nick. Um, Does that mean I get to leave now? (laughs) No. Yeah, now I get the rest of the day off. He just didn't want to be obvious. In in a private email, he said that he's just infatuated with Dr. Steph. I am so so cal... Uh, Well, that just leaves me out in the cold then. Well, sorry. (laughs) We'd be a little worried about Dan if he was infatuated with you, Nick. Yes, I would too. Maybe not. I don't know. I could see it. And that's not true. Any of the things I just said. What's not to love about Nick? I know. I know. If you know him. After all. If you know him uh, as we do, there are lots of things that not to like about Um, I am a so-called worldwide corporate pilot with almost a year of time aloft. So that means that he hasn't been flying for a year unless he's not gotten off the airplane since he started flying. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> let's see. What would be a thousand? So about what? how many hours in a year? I'm not even sure. Somebody. Staff. So that's 365 times 24. 24. Yeah. <laughs> see if somebody can give us that answer. I think Rick is calculating it for us. Rick that's, is. Uh, 8,760 8, That's Wow, that's a good time. A lot of time. It's a long time. Yeah. It's a good time. Um, anyway, uh, on the last APG, I heard Rick comment on the often mis-executed visual missed approach procedure for a climb to 1,500 feet on the runway heading for a visual approach, missed approach. I pinged several other very experienced pilots, and none of them knew this was a required procedure. I did find in the AIM under 5-4-23E that for those operating under a controlled environment, go-around instructions will be issued. Since I'm always trying to learn and better myself, I would appreciate being pointed in the direction of where I can find the information on this procedure slash policy that Rick mentioned. In the meantime, I am so thankful for all of the information, entertainment, and fun that the show provides. Keep up the great work. Kind regards, Dan Miller. And he is an ATP MEL com, single engine land, single engine seaplane, multi engine seaplane, CF double I, MEI, AMP slash IA, whatever that means, B757767, Gulfstream 5, RA390S, CE510S, G111 Albatross. Whoa. Wow. He flies the 818, the 607, and the 7393 as well. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, uh, Liz I've mentions, never even heard of those ones. Liz also is mentioning that he's also a, D, he's a DAD, a dad. A DAD. Yep, see, yeah, see, look. Yeah. There he that's is with picture. his kids. Isn't that great? Very and cool. I think that's in the ah, Albatross, brilliant. I think. That looks like the Albatross there. Yeah. Yeah. That Dan, nice? you're sinking. I hate to, to tell you this. I was sinking. <laughs> Okay, Love so Rick, he threw the gauntlet mm. down. Mm-hmm. Threw the Explain gauntlet. yourself. 
Yeah, explain, explain, explain yourself. yourself. I've got some explaining to do here. Yeah. So <laughs> I remember seeing that on the pilot controller glossary. Sure. And uh, I remember seeing, uh, where else have I have seen that? I did see it in the AIM. And I have asked the question to uh, air traffic controllers, at least here in the States, and they've said that as well. And their reasoning, the way they explained it to me, is that the visual approach is basically a visual maneuver as part of, a, of an instrument procedure. Right? But yep. it's a visual maneuver, and you need visual minimums for that. Yeah. Um, and so for, uh, for uh, jet aircraft, uh, pattern altitude is 1,500 feet above the field, right? And... You haven't received your missed approach instructions as of yet, and so what you are to do is you know, fly straight ahead, maintain at least 1,500 feet until you get your missed approach instructions, uh, be it, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, join it downwind again or contact departure, and then they'll vector you back around or uh, um, uh, or whatever the missed approach given to you is. But initially, yes, the, the, the procedure is straight ahead and 1,500 feet until you get um, uh, detailed missed approach instructions um, post your visual approach. So it could be that that is your airline's policy for doing that. Not sure that it's what is, what is, the what 1,500 is feet thing. Um, because we at Atlas, no, not Atlas, Acme, Starts with an A. Acme, uh, for the last couple of years, have been going all over the place with this, changing our procedures um, every few months regarding what we do when we're actually cleared for a visual approach, if we have to go around. And for the when we start when for for decades, we've just always put in the um, the the underlying approach missed approach altitude. So usually it's an ILS. So whatever the ILS missed approach altitude is, that's what we put in our altitude select window. Um, but um, then we went into the period of 1,500 feet above field elevation, uh, that era. <laughs> and we did that for a while. And then they said, uh, oh, yeah, never mind. We've done some more research on that. And that's not, that's not right either. And uh, so now uh, they're basically telling us if we're on a visual approach, just uh, climb to the minimum safe altitude. That's on your chart. Uh, and and but, laterally? Uh, laterally, just uh, straight ahead. You know, you're just going to mm -hmm. wait for the tower to tell you, um, you know, what. Now, this is just in a tower-controlled environment, not a non-towered uh, environment. Exactly. Um, and that's, you know, that's probably more applicable for, like, joining a, a visual. Because, you know, I, I think a lot of people, and we've had this issue before on our show where we've talked about visual approaches and, VFR patterns and uh, somehow they're always equated and they're not the same thing. And uh, remember no. the guy that had, that was in the regional going into muscle shoals. That was, we talked about that for several episodes, uh, lots of points of contention on that one. But um, so yeah, in a, in a non towered environment, um, you know, going to 1500 feet, you know, pattern altitude and, and doing a VFR pattern um, would be the right thing to do. But, um, mm -hmm. you know, honestly, I, I think that it's really kind of a moot point. I think you'd agree with me, Rick, because in this case, most of the time we're on a visual approach, it's a towered airport. They're going to immediately, as soon as we say we're going around or they make us go around, they're going to tell us what to do. They're going to say, exactly. fly this heading, climb and maintain this altitude. I mean, I know in Atlanta, for sure, you're on the north side. They're going to say, climb and maintain 4,000 feet, turn right, heading 360. I mean, so they're just going to sequence you and 
back into the pattern. Mm. So, um, and that's if you're on, yeah, on the north side. Obviously, that would not be a good thing if you were on the south runway. No. Um, there would be like that Singapore 380, and, like uh, that, and we'd be talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now, I'm pretty rusty, but mm-hmm. I seem to recall, even if we're doing a visual approach, uh, we're still on an IFR flight. Flight plan. So, yes. Yeah. So we would do the instrument. But you're uh, not on that instrument. But you're not cleared for the ILS approach. Exactly. You're on a visual approach. Mm-hmm. You might be using the that's ILS the gotcha for guidance. Yeah. That's the thing that's really confusing about all of this, is mm-hmm. that as yeah. soon as they say cleared the visual approach, that missed approach procedure that you have on your plate that you've briefed, you know, is not really and applicable. And in the box? No, I know, yeah. but... I, well, you know, a lot of us will be, you know, us cowboys here in America, we're probably going to be hand flying the airplane at that point. So, you know, we're going to. We're still going to follow the box. No, we're even but we're, if you're hand flying it. No, not necessarily. No. We're going to, we're going to climb and maintain the altitude to which we should be climbing. We're not going to fly oh, the missed approach yeah, procedure. Okay. Um, if you're going to fly the published missed approach procedure for uh, an instrument approach, you're going to follow the box. Is what exactly. I mean. right. right. Yeah, I agree with you there. But I'm saying that as soon as yeah. they say cleared the visual approach, you're, that doesn't really apply yeah. anymore. Now, it may be a safe thing which to do. Is, which is why I always, I mean, we always treat it coming to America with a certain amount of Stick your fingers in your ears and make the best. <laughs> I understand. I know it's a it's an environment you're not used to. All these cowboys doing our own thing, you know. In America, we're yeah. There's our- still rules, though. There's still. I mean, and that makes good sense. Yeah. yeah. Like what, logically, just think that? through it. What is? Stick your fingers mm-hmm. in oh, your oh, ears. That, that's a good idea. For the best. That's a very no, no, good no, no, idea. No, 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 oh. no. That's not. I'm <laughs> saying if you if you think through this logically, it's What's not that? difficult. Okay. What? So what is the logic here then, Steph? No, I mean, everything that uh, Rick just explained, that you explained Mm -hmm. about, you know, if you're on a visual approach, what follows after that if you go missed? I think that this is one of those things where, you know, like, I'm not so sure. Yeah, yeah, who knows exactly? I mean, as I said, I work for a very large (laughs) um, legacy carrier that's been around since since 1929 or something. And we had arguments and discussions about this for a long period of time. And, you know, if, so it's not very straightforward. It's, it's, it's kind yeah, of it's a, a gray after. area yeah. kind of thing, I think. So, but since, but just, just, just rest, rest, rest assured, like, like Jeff, like you just mentioned, um, the second you go around, you are going to get go around instructions because, you know, you just, even, what are you supposed to do? Even if you're on a, you know? even if you're on an instrument approach, <laughs> chances are, even if they don't say exactly. or whatever ATC direct, chances are they're going to they're not going to want you to fly <laughs> the missed approach procedure um, because it's probably going to cause havoc for them. I mean, in Atlanta, if we actually did fly the actual published missed approach procedure, if we did a miss. They'd probably freak out. You know, it's like, no, no, you know, fly this heading and fly mm-hmm. this altitude because there are a lot of other things going on. But in the, if you lacking any communication, you've lost calm or whatever, you know, that's what you're going to do because that's what they're going to expect you, you're going to do. But exactly. And I, I do actually, and I can, I can think of really flying the missed, the published missed approach to a, to a procedure just, just a handful of times. Well, one of the times I can think of is, uh, you know, where, where was I think this was in South America somewhere and the radar was out for some reason. Yeah. That's what it's and, important. 
you know? And so, yeah, yeah. you can't, obviously, they can't vector you around, and so you're expected mm-hmm. to fly the Mr. Bridge, and you have yeah. high terrain all around you and all, oh, this, okay. all these kinds of things. So you, you go up, you go get to the holding fix, do your thing, do the reverse, we'll come back around and then land. But uh, but otherwise, like like you said, it's it's very rare to actually fly a published miss. You're probably going to get uh, a heading, an altitude, a frequency change, and we'll see you in 15 minutes. Yeah. And 99% of the time you're going to see a published missed approach procedure or, or going to actually execute one is when you're in the simulator. Mm-hmm. So it's really interesting. There's a um, go um, piggybacking on this missed on this uh, visual approach thing. Um, uh, if, and this has been this this has worked out this way for a long time, and um, a lot of people haven't noticed this. So if you fly into Miami and you fly the ILS to runway nine, uh, into one of the notes, it says that the um, you're not allowed to use a, a coupled uh, autopilot to fly the ILS. So you're, if you're going to fly the ILS, you have to do it manually for the However, whole thing. Yeah, for the whole thing. Wow! If really? that that yeah, that's a big gotcha on a lot of uh, a, a lot of line checks. I'm not saying that I oh. ever did that, <laughs> but if you're so, the trick to get around that is you request a visual. <laughs> and if yeah. you're feeling lazy, you know you just leave you know, autopilot. Connection. Leave, leave a couple the autopilot up. on. Let, yeah, you're on a visual coupled up and. And you're on a bridge approach, exactly right. So cool. yeah, and uh, so that's on nine, and then and then I uh, think of the north runway. The the limitation is uh, you know you can't do it below 500 feet or something like that. But for runway nine, you just you can't couple the autopilot to the ILS through the entire procedure. I'm gonna read that. Uh, Pe- yeah, people out there are wondering uh, probably, why. Probably yeah, the because the, uh, so. Exactly. The signal, uh, and you have to remember that at the very end of runway nine is the intersection with runway one, two, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. the, just, you know, the, 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 the ILS critical area is not uh, properly protected. And I'm sure it's outside of, uh, you know, standard somewhere. And so just to keep it safe. And, but yeah, Steph's looking at it right Sure there. enough, it's right there. It says autopilot coupled approach, not authorized. There you go. Yeah. And then uh, in LaGuardia, landing runway four from from the final – now, they may have changed this, but when I was flying up there – the last time I was flying up there a couple of years ago, anything inside the final approach fix, uh, you have to hand fly. It says coupled approach not uh, allowable You know, once you're at the final approach fix inbound. Um, again, because of things that kind of bend the signal. Bend uh, the signal. Yeah. Exactly. But uh, anywho, Cool. Great discussion, but I, I'm afraid, uh, Rick, because Dan sent this in, and uh, we're just going to have to let you go, I think. So, <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's been a good ride. <laughs> it's been a great ride. Uh, just kidding. Dan, thanks for uh, thanks for uh, putting in your two cents worth. Uh, we do appreciate that. And great photo of you and, and your family, uh, your, your wonderful, cute daughters there. That's cool. All right, um, let's jump to nine because Captain Rick is still here. Hello, APG crew. I hope everybody is doing well. In episode 466, Captain Rick mentioned that Acme Giant might be getting the A330 freighter. This opens up the possibility that Miami Rick could one day be an Airbus pilot. Uh, I spit out a perfectly good IPA when I heard that. <laughs> I just, Uh-oh. just the, that's I, a wasted IPA. Alcohol oh my God. abuse. 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 
Just the thought of him having to peel off all those Boeing stickers from his gear brings a tear to my eye. Not to mention the patches on his flight jacket. He might as well just get a new jacket. (laughs) I'm sure the possibility of moving from a real airplane to the Airbus has kept Captain Rick up many a night after after he heard this news. The only upside I can think of is that the Airbus would have bigger displays than the 767. And at age 40, his eyes must be having a hard time reading those. <laughs> <laughs> they are. They really are. Oh, Pull out the readers wow. now. <laughs> Ramiro, you're a funny guy. Then again, episode oh, 466 was the April Fool's show, so maybe he was ah. just playing a, cr- a cruel prank on his listeners. Thank you all for the great show. Blue skies and tailwinds, except on short final. Ramiro. <laughs> That's yeah, the, the the latter, definitely the latter. God help me from Airbus ever. So, well, we're just, consider, just consider your the strain on your eyes. Forward, exactly. You know, yeah. Now that you've reached yeah. forty, yeah, I know. I think he brings up a valid point. Yeah, I'm gonna start flying around with magnifying glasses or something. <laughs> so, uh, well, that's essentially what you have to do. Actually, sadly, Seriously. oh man, yeah, you'll you'll you guys, staff. Rick, you laugh, but the last laugh will be on Nick and I and Liz. I'm yeah, still, we'll, I'm, I, I test every once in a while. I'm like, good, good. Yeah. 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 You'll find yourself pinching those displays, trying to make the <laughs> letters bigger. I, you know what? I did that the other day. Oh, ah, it's there already. It's just a matter of time. What? I love Slowly it. you're going to start increasing like the font size of your text messages into like, yeah. to the point where I'm it's like one it. word, I, I one word per uh, line, basically, and I'm you can read it from like you know the other side of the room. Uh, you have to really concentrate when you're reading email like that. Oh, and you start half closing your eyes to try and make your eyes. <laughs> you're squinting. Better. Yeah, you're squinting when yeah. you're trying to see oh, the stuff Lord. on the on Jeopardy. <laughs> I can't read that question. But no, no, no. Staying <laughs> staying on the Boeing so, uh, for for as, as as long as I can. Hopefully, and hopefully they'll put big screens on those things. Well, they they yeah. are actually right. Yeah. Yeah, they are. It's called the it's called the LDS, a large display yeah. system. It's actually really cool. They're uh, they're um, seven eight seven size screens, and um, uh, they no longer have the the, the two dedicated uh, screens between the first officer and the captain. The two ICAST screens with the, all the engine information, and all that. Now it's two big you know big screens that kind of meet up in the middle there, and you have all your information there, all the all them you know. Fancy displays and 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 and, and symbols I, and colors. I love and it. And stuff. So, I so. love it, Rick. Still playing catch up. <laughs> <laughs> Just like the the, the, the displays and, and my end. little jet. <laughs> Um, yeah, but Jeff's, uh, got, Jeff's got fancy displays. Fancy. I know. I'm, 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 I am now the one that flies the dinosaur around here. But you know what? I'm not going to make fun of it because I still miss the uh, the old display. I actually really do. I told you. But, I uh, told you. Well, I know I should have gone with the, I should have gone with the seven five seven six. But okay, let's don't. It's water under the bridge. Moving Nothing on. I can do bridge, about it. Yep. Moving on and all that kind of stuff. Um, I will uh, just momentarily take a quick pause. Uh, Rick, I want to do. I want you to try something, uh, and I'm I'm not fooling around here. Um, I'm don't don't do it until I tell you to. But um, I think that that little uh, weird stuff that's going on with your mic is happening again. I think it's a USB thing. Um, so if you disconnect the uh, the USB cord to your hub for like uh, five seconds, like you're resetting a circuit breaker, and then plug it in, we'll see if that helps. All right, let me do go that now. now. Yeah. Hello, Gregorio Costa. 
from Chile. Great fan since many years. That's cool. Nice. Welcome. Yeah. Well, you're, it's nice to have a great fan instead of a big-ass fan. <laughs> That's true. We yeah. have one of those, too. I don't think our big-ass fan is with us today, though. That, no, not, not tonight. Oh. Yeah. No, haven't seen him. Yeah. Um, oh, no, shoot. I shouldn't have told him to do that. No, I can't. probably muted. Oh, muted? yeah, you are. you got to uh, unmute, no? unmute yourself there on the uh, on the screen yard. Screen. What is it called? <laughs> screen. Stream screen. Stream yard. Stream yard. <laughs> As soon as I said it, I went, well, that's not right. You guys been drinking or not? <laughs> okay, I'm on my second beer, okay? You know. Yeah. Arrest. Yeah, I, had about. A, I had a few beers before I got here. <laughs> yeah, Steph, did Although you get flying, that hurt? Flying the, other day, de- flying the other day, definitely not drinking, landing on the same runway we always land on, which is runway five. All of a sudden, I just looked, I was like, uh, final runway two, five? I was five? like, where did two come from? Like, I just like... <laughs> <laughs> having trouble he's like are we well, landing you know, are we landing at this airport i was like yep two and five look uh kind of similar there uh, i wasn't even so. i'm looking at the not, no i don't uh, know it was just sometimes you go to, worked, sometimes yeah. you go to say something what, and he's, it's just he's like, not uh, talking at all rick say something he's typing uh, yeah. uh hello yeah, yeah there oh wait he's back nice, excellent excellent Again? uh yeah right. i think that may have done it it's one of those weird things that some of the usb chips after one hour Start doing weird noises, audio noises. Is it a surface pro issue? Oh, the police are No, coming. I think it's just a USB thing, depending, and it doesn't have anything to do with what you're plugging it into. I think, what is it I missed, Nick? What did I miss, Nick? Steph said, are the police coming? And you went, no, I think it's something to do with the USB. <laughs> no, but it was. I, I can was, just hear the sirens in the background. I don't know who's. Oh, I thought she said the surface. I thought she said something about no, the was, surface. Well, I was mine, talking about uh, the surface, but uh, that, then I moved, on. Mine, yeah. I moved on. Here in, so, here in Riverside, everyone commits arson at uh, 10 to 4. So, I see. <laughs> arson, okay. arson hour. Okay. Yeah. Right. Well, good luck. Yeah. Arse. Okay. Um, Number six. You know what? And I don't care if it's goes over three hours i really don't um maybe everybody else on the crew does (laughs) i mean i've only been here for like two so let's keep going (laughs) and nick is going god please stop i'm I'm, I'm all right i've got another beer yet okay excellent all right oh you know by the way um and again this is still not on the well it actually might be on the show (laughs) i might just leave all this in um i was um i i watch a lot of different YouTube channels and uh, one of my favorites uh, a couple uh, did a um, a live you know like Q&A uh, kind of thing ask us anything sort of thing but I'm not saying you can ask us well you can ask us anything you want I, we may not answer it um, AMA show that yeah. would be interesting but I think Dangerous. it would be kind of fun to do an APG AMA did I do that right? AMA ask yeah. anything okay um, so what do y'all think? Uh, they, you know, not necessarily something that we publish uh, as a podcast or anything, but just a YouTube thing. Yeah, I think it'd be a lot I like of fun. Like it, no preparation. Just, yeah, no, no prep. Just uh, just lots of beer and uh, opening up and just telling you it. things that probably we shouldn't tell you. That kind probably of you don't want to know about. And probably you don't want to know. Yes, exactly. TMI. All right. Anyway, so I just thought I'd throw that throw that out there. Okay. Um, all right. What? Number six. Six. Thank you. You don't have to yell at me. Sheesh. Six. <laughs> I don't think that was Liz's voice. I think that was Steph no. that yelled at me. Okay. Oh, sorry. I thought we were yelling. No. Okay. You just thought that was a thing? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thanks, Steph. All right. 
Uh, oh, hey, is Glenn still with us? In he the, was. Uh, I don't know if I'm. Okay, I think well, he's died. Oh shoot. What? Well, you know he is in New Zealand, so you know. It's I don't early know what morning. Time it is there. Morning. Yeah. Morning. Well, and, and got I stuff think to oh, do you know on Saturday. it would be Saturday, so he probably doesn't have to yeah. work, so he might be with us. Anyway, Glenn sent us some feedback. He says, wondering what you guys think of airship. This is uh, six, by the way. Oh, that's right. Everybody yelled it. Uh, wondering what you guys think of airships and flying taxis. And so here we go. We're going to hear Glenn's Kiwi accent. And uh, if I can find it, here we go. Hello, APG crew and fellow APG syndrome sufferers. It's Glenn here from New Zealand. It's been a while since I've had any feedback, but I've just been seeing stuff on Twitter. It's just like, um, really? Uh- Glenn, next time you use your good mic. <laughs> okay, uh, here we go. So see me a bit of a debate on the subject of airships. I mean, really? Do you really? I mean... If, had, if airships were any actually any good, wouldn't we be using them right now? I mean, they've been around since, since the days of Montgolfi, your brothers, I could say. So I just wanted your, your guys' opinion on, uh, I mean, freight moving stuff by airship. Is it really ever going to actually happen? I actually went to a lecture once at the Royal Aeronautical Society here in Wellington. Um, some guy was trying to convince us that, we, that there's going to be uh, tourist airships being used in the South Island, a place called Queenstown, where a lot of the um, tourists like to go when there's no virus and no pandemics. And he um, he just tried to convince us all that we should, you know, it's going to happen, that he's going to start this wonderful company and everything's going to be wonderful, great. And, and it never happened. And I don't know more about it. So, yeah, just uh, your thoughts. And also, the, the, the other one is, good one is self unmanned aerial taxis. I mean, really? It always seemed to be five years away. Five years. However long you say, <laughs> whatever time they say, oh, it's another five years. Oh, aerial taxis will be here in five years. Uh, no, I don't think so. Anyway, curious to know your thoughts. Uh, to, uh, keep up the good work as always. Uh, Tailwinds and unlimited IPAs. Glenn out. I can drink to that. Um, like yeah, that. I've got a nice one. <laughs> what you got? A pee. Oh. <laughs> I've got uh, black sheep, more okay. black sheep. Um, Five years, Glenn. He, he, you know, any damned <laughs> uh, flying machine that can't uh, fly faster than the wind or outclimb a downdraft uh, is oh, no. never gonna. It's never gonna work. It's just gonna be a liability. I'm sorry. I'm offended at airlinepilotguy.com. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, the military have found some use for for gas filled sacks, haven't they? <laughs> well, you know, I think that Alpha Bravo Again. Charlie is really kind of. Offe- I'm, I'm sorry, offended. Alpha Bravo Charlie, well, for the. For the offensive comments, that, yeah. Well, that, that uh, actually, that, that that is the exception to the rule. But generally speaking, I think you know the military hang radars off them, don't they, and string them up over yeah, they're stationary. places. Yeah, yeah. But uh, if if you can try and fly around too much, I mean, uh, if you're doing something like the Goodyear uh, blimp does, then you, you know you look at the weather and you go, "Now we, we're not going to go flash our, our 
adverts over this stadium tonight because the wind's going to be a bit high. But if you're trying to actually perform a real useful function and get cargo from A to B or passengers from A to B, you know, you can't just go, oh, it's a bit windy, we won't fly tonight. <laughs> You're supposed to be able to go and do your thing. And they, generally speaking, it's very dangerous if they try and do their thing when the weather's a bit iffy. We're not going to be able to go to yeah. um, Montreal tonight because the winds aren't blowing in that direction. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we got more than a 30-knot headwind, you know. <laughs> Uh, we'll end up farther away. Yes. <laughs> well, it's a nice place we're supposed to be to Montreal, but instead we're going to go to Washington, D.C. Exactly. No, yeah. Toledo, Ohio. Yeah. We found somewhere much nicer to take you, honestly. You're going to really enjoy it there. Yeah, yeah that French-Canadian stuff, yeah, it's a high, highly overrated. <laughs> so you didn't want to go there anyway. You didn't want uh, was poutine, the yeah. fries and cheese. and hmm? Yeah. Good question, oh, though, Glenn, because uh, I think you nailed it, though. It's going to happen in five yeah, years. absolutely. It's going to be there. <laughs> yes. For sure. Jeff has yeah, confidence. Absolutely. I have confidence. Five years, yeah. <laughs> in fact, we've, we've made a note of the date, and in five years' time, we will revisit this. Yes, we will. Somebody put that in the right. book. Put that in we the will. book. April 16th. April 16th. 2026. Okay. Right there. 2026. Yeah. Hey, why don't we go to uh, number eight? Uh, Larry sent us in a picture um, of the electric Airbus. We're talking about electric <laughs> aircraft. Um, and oh, that is so cool. I, I, so if that. we can put that on the overlay. Each oh, your heart yes. out Boeing. Look at that. Yeah. I, I mean, brilliant. I mean, why didn't we think of this before? Come on. I mean, you exactly have to right. fly at a height of like 50 <laughs> It's feet. not going to be very tall. Oh, that's perfect. Right, yeah. What fun would so that that's, be? That's, 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 what they mean. that's what they mean by fly-by-wire, huh? <laughs> fly-by-wire. Fly yeah. That's uh, what uh, is yeah. that hanging off its nose wheel? I don't quite understand what that. I think is. that's the right nose wing wheel? tip um, thing. The, the, oh, the gears so up, it is. Nick. Gears <laughs> up. Uh, sorry, the picture's a bit blurry at my yeah. end. Yeah, well, that's what happens when you're over forty. <laughs> wow, yeah, well, knives are coming out. Yeah. The room. <laughs> you, you'll soon uh, find out, Steph. Uh, uh, let's Hi. see. Um, what do you think, Liz? Which one should I do next? Uh, it doesn't matter. Seven and ten are all you seven? got left. So okay, let's do it all. Did I? How did I miss this? Did I? Um, I missed something because uh, I had some. What? Um, okay, here we go. I think oh. we all tried to miss it, Jeff. Uh, oh, well, you know what? You know what this little music musical interlude means. We've gotten something from Ivor, or. And or Tarquin. This is from Ivor. Uh, Dear all you lovely APG people, but particularly the handsome Jeff. Thank you, Ivor. You know, he does that just to make sure that this is going to be included in the show. (laughs) Smart man. Uh, Most people, though, do that to Liz, but uh, thank you, Ivor, for considering me as well. I write to you with congratulations on your recent show, the one with Max, Mr. Max Trescott. This isn't to suggest that your other shows are in any way, any way inferior. Well, maybe some of them. I mean, honestly, feedback from cats. What's next? Anyway, I digress. Mr. Trescott was, I believe, on your show to promote his latest book. Uh, I still have it right here. Steph, I need to send it to you. Yeah. I was going to say, I thought that was supposed to be... 
I'm busy. I have things to do. I don't understand. It's okay. I wouldn't have gotten around to reading it yet anyway. I've been busy too. Okay. It's fine. No <sighs> anyway, his latest book, that was very kind of you, and he has a beautiful speaking voice, but forgive me. Is his latest book about glass cockpits? And if so, why does this merit a book about it? I'm I'm sure you guys and girls are aware all cockpits have glass in them. I mean, how would you see out to take all those great photos? <laughs> I'd imagine they come in handy for the tricky takeoff and landing maneuver. Nonetheless, you were very kind and patient with this author. Thank you. Yeah, we were, I thought. Uh, sometime in the, the not-too-distant future, I may have a book to promote and was wondering if it would be possible to come onto your outstanding show and do a tiny bit of promotional work on my grand tome. My contender for everyone's bookshelf is a collection of stories from the aviation workplace. My working title is Eek! My Underpants Are on Fire! And Other Tales from the Cockpit <laughs> that you shouldn't really hear. <laughs> Actually, that would be a funny book. I, I, I like it. Sounds very true to life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, My underpants are yeah. on fire. Obviously, as a work in progress, any hair-raising tales you would like to share would be greatly appreciated. I can offer you full anonymity as this would secure... <laughs> Look, Sorry. I've only had two beers. and Anonymity. as this, But I have trouble with that word even when I'm not drinking. As this would secure your, like Nick has with, Statistics. <laughs> <laughs> Say it. Statistics. See? <laughs> As this would secure your continued ability to work, and I would get away with paying you royalties. Looking forward to publishing my magnificent book. Wow, he has a high opinion of his, of his work. And hopefully getting on the world's premier aviation podcast. Love and kisses. Boy, he's sucking up big time. <laughs> yeah, Very he nice. is sucking up, Liz, for sure. Um, but no, honestly, that would be a great book to read. And I think it would be actually a bestseller. And sorry, Nick. I mean, it's really all in the title. <laughs> if you have a catchy title, people just aren't going to be yeah. able to pass it up on the bookshelf. Eek, minor pants. I don't know, Eek. You know, suitable um, cover artwork to go along with it would be. Yeah, yeah. Nick will work oh, on yeah. that. Good. That's true. That's true. You're going to have to contract Nick for the artwork there. Mm. Oh, yeah. No, uh, no, yes, no, 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 no. That's good extra. work. We can, we, can, we can loan them to you. That would not be a good be. idea. <laughs> I, char- I charge Welsh people extra. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, he's in, the, in Wales, right? Is that where he's living? Yeah. He's always oh, in just Wales. I the believe border. so. Yeah. With a name like Ivor, he I know. should be Welsh. I don't think he's from – I don't think he's a, a Welshman. But I think that's where he's living. I don't know. Ivor, maybe you can straighten us out on that. Anyway, um, moving on to 10. Last but not least. Last but not least. Uh, Okay. I got to get ready for this one. All right. Been listening to the show for, oh, hi, ABG crew. This is Paul, uh, an interesting aviation-related find. Uh, Hi, ABG crew. I've been listening to the show for a couple of years, and I still love it. (laughs) Thanks. Uh, wow. <laughs> he still loves it. Amazing. I just realized that that was kind of a backhanded compliment. I mean, over oh yeah, over time, usually people <laughs> stop loving it. Yeah, that's right. That's uh, wow. Oh, we understand uh, it's okay. You know, that was very nice. They become allergic to it. 
Mm. Well, part, part of, of the syndrome. The APG yeah. syndrome, yes. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, he says, thank you all for spending your time creating it. Y'all may have already covered this at some point on one of the billion or so previous ex- episodes. I know it seems that way, doesn't it? But I thought I'd still mention it anyway, just in case. I was listening to Spotify the other day, and it recommended a relatively new song created in the past few years by an artist named Gary Newman. I kept thinking to myself, that name sounds familiar, but I couldn't remember how. So I went down an internet rabbit hole and discovered that Gary Newman created the famous song Cars, released back in 1979. I was just four years old at the time. Hmm. What? What? Let's see, I was... was I was, I was operational like, flying the fan. I was like 19, I think. <laughs> Better than nearly finished my first tour. Oh, God. Yeah. I'm 28. Okay. I wasn't. I know you weren't even born. <laughs> Shut up, Shut Steph. up. You were Steph. still swimming back straight. <laughs> this, is, this is why my eyes still function with all their capacity. Now, if you listen to the audio only, only podcast, Steph, you'll hear Liz say, Shut up, Steph. <laughs> I expect nothing less. Okay, well, Gary, no, not Gary, uh, not Gary Newman. Paul continues, uh, but even more interesting is that he is apparently quite the accomplished pilot, apparently having flown around the world in a Piper Navajo in 1981. Wow. Among many other accomplishments. He seems like a very interesting person, perhaps plain tales material, Captain Nick? In hindsight, I feel like his hit should have really been called Planes. Actually, I think he did. I, I got this from this album, and I think that he did do a song about planes or airplanes or something like that. Oh, wait. Nick, in your plane tale today, you said you're not supposed to use the word just planes. Didn't you? No. Right. Uh, it's considered gauche in okay. the higher echelons of the aviation community. Sorry, Paul. Well, that's not here. <laughs> that's, so my father that's, that's told not, me. That's not here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I suppose that's fair enough. I mean, to be fair, I use it quite common, but that, quite often. Uh, that's only just to bring myself in line with the general population. <laughs> with the silly Americans. <laughs> Down to our level. <laughs> and those two. Okay. Well, thank you. We do appreciate that, sir. Anyway, he says, uh, thanks again for the what? excellent podcast. Why do you do that anyway? What? Call them planes. Because um, that's what they are. They're, they're planes. planes. They're not. <laughs> Sometimes they're airplanes. They're planes that are in the air. I, I know, airplane, but, you know, it's we shorten everything up here. Like And sometimes just aircraft, but never aircrafts. Yeah. Uh, how about yeah, like well, instead of oh, casual, we do cash. You know, we just who says aircrafts because I'll slap them. <laughs> well, lots of people. We, we it do happens. have. <laughs> no, it we happens. We it do have a lot happens. of people that send in okay, feedback. That right? Well, you better <laughs> queue them up outside my house because they're all due a slapping. <laughs> just like the all those deers that are around Steph's place. Exactly. <laughs> and mouses. Yeah. Mices. And mouses yeah. and deers. So anyway. Jeff, yeah? I'm, I'm thinking Liz? Alan. Alan from Tallinn. Oh. We need to give him. Uh, yeah, he's still there, but I'm thinking I don't want to rush him. So, do you want to do it now? Or yeah, let's it do over? it. Let's do it. We're we're making the command okay. decision. Liz let's is saying, do okay. let's do this. We're going to go a little bit over from our normal because I I think it's only fitting because Steph and 
Rick weren't here on the last show. Right. So let's we're do We're punishing that. them. Yeah, we're going to punish them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so number 11. Good. Good. One, one. About For time two. <laughs> here we I go. Just, I just pulled this one up, and it is um, lengthy. Mm-hmm. Very <laughs> yes. impressive. Yeah. Thanks for okay. noticing. Fair enough. Good. <laughs> Where are we going then? Okay. <laughs> 11. All right. This is Alan from Talon. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know it's not Talon. It's Talene. So, okay. Aline from Talene. My first feedback. I know it's Alan from Talene, but I, I just think it'd be more fun to be Aline from Talene or Alan from Talon. Don't you think? Okay. Very much. So. Thank you, Liz. Mm-hmm. Thank you for your support. Uh, hello, Captain Jeff, Dr. Steph, Miami, Miami Mike slash Rick. I don't know who that is. My evil twin, I think. I know who that is. He's been, this is like, I feel like he's been listening to older episodes. Oh, I gotcha. Mm-hmm. Well, who, who's Miami Mike? <laughs> it's Rick's evil twin. <laughs> okay. Remember? Oh, yeah. No. Captain Nick. Was it Hylia Mike or something at some point? Or... Oh, could that be. A thing? I know Miami well, I Hick, so. I think but that's right. not Mike. I don't no, know. No, no, different, different. I don't know. Different. Alan has really confused me, but it doesn't take much to do that. Okay. Hello, Captain Jeff, Dr. Steph, Miami Rick, and Captain Nick, and Liz. Greetings to the whole APG community. Wow. He just said hello to everyone. Finally, after several years of listening to your wonderful podcast, I've reached the point where I've decided to send you my first feedback. First, a few words to introduce myself to the community. My name is Alan, and I am from Tallinn, Estonia, an IT engineer by my day job, but also an instrument-rated commercial pilot. And as the most recent addition to my aviation-related achievements just this Monday, I also passed my flight instructor skill test. Very nice. Way to go, Alan. Good All right. Love it, love it, love it. I've been flying since 2016 when I started my with my private pilot training. So not that long ago, five years ago. I was a couple of years, uh, it was a couple of years after having received a demo flight lesson as a birthday gift. <laughs> that gets a lot of us, actually. The idea that I could fly an airplane was planted on that day. Interestingly enough, I, it was only about 10 years ago when I had my first flight ever on any aircraft. It was a holiday trip to Greece. Before that trip, I was highly convinced that airplanes are an extremely dangerous way of traveling, and I would definitely use ground-based transportation whenever I need to travel for the rest of my life. But those very first, sensible. yeah, very sensible actually. But those first experiences opened my eyes, introduced me to the world of aviation, and I quickly became hooked. So when I was 30 years old, I decided that I had to take action and at least get the PPL license with a plan to then decide if I want to take it any further. We have a saying in Estonia that the Estonia that the appetite grows while eating. When put into the context of my flying endeavors meant that after having received my private pilot license, I quickly decided that I definitely wanted to go on. A year later, I went for my ATPL theory training in Bristol, followed by instrument rating back in Estonia and a commercial single engine training in Germany. The idea was to move towards a commercial aviation career, but COVID has imposed some adjustments on my plans. Luckily, I got the offer to start as a part-time flight instructor, and I'm really excited about it, even if it wasn't in my initial plans at all. Uh, 
So I decided to send you this feedback today because I recently found an interesting article, which I will link below. Usually there isn't much noteworthy going on in Estonia, at least what comes to aviation. But a few years ago, there was an accident in Tallinn with an Airbus A320 making an emergency landing with both engines badly damaged, one being on fire, and neither one producing any significant amount of thrust. The result were minor injuries due to heavy touchdown on unprepared surface and a total write-off of the airframe. But overall, the crew managed to handle the situation well and avoided much worse possible outcomes. Luckily, they managed to glide the airplane back to the airport, even though the touchdown was short of the runway. In my opinion, the article is very interesting, is a very interesting description on how a minor fault in the system combined with human factors led to an extremely serious situation. A perfect example of a, let me say that again, because I'm going to have to try to edit this and it won't work very well. A perfect example of a Swiss cheese case. I just finished listening to your discussion on Airbus system redundancies in episode 467, and that article is a nice follow-up to what you discussed, because it describes one case when a crew experienced a sequence of flight control computer failures and had to fall back on mechanical backups like controlling pitch angle via trim wheel. It would be interesting to hear what the experts on the AP... Are any of the experts here? I think they have the day off. Now they're yeah. it's say, a Friday. They don't, they don't so work late. under contracts. They, they've they've <laughs> yeah. gone home for the weekend. Yeah, it's, they, it's past yeah. three hours. They, they record on Tuesday. <laughs> All the experts are gone. Anyway, um, what the experts on the APG panel think of this. By the way, this accident was also briefly covered by you in the APG episode 315 shortly after the event. I do remember this. How but, does he know that? Uh, because he's an astute uh, APG community Estonian. Member. Yes. Estonian, yes. But by now... Much more thorough analysis of what happened is available. I will also link the official investigation report below. I think that it's from uh, that's it from me for this time. I hope there will be a day when I can also meet you in person. And if you should, for whatever reason, have ever happen to be in or near Estonia, I would be very happy to meet, greet, and show you around. But until then, I wish you all the best. Alan from Tallinn, uh, Estonia. Uh, I would love to. I hear that... Um, Estonia is a beautiful. Oh, it's beautiful. Country. I've been to Tallinn. I've been to Tallinn. I've been to Estonia. Next door, I've been uh, next door over in Latvia and Riga. Oh, mm-hmm. all beautiful out here. And I hear the women phenomenal. are just gorgeous. Yeah. Not that I would notice. I don't notice that kind of thing. Um, so uh, he sends us this uh, link to an article from Admiral Admiral Cloudberg on Medium.com. and I won't read the whole thing because I know we're already over by a few minutes um, for today's episode, but I, and maybe it would have been better if we kept this for a future show because there's a lot in here and I'm really, really interested to hear what Nick has to say about Should this. Should we leave it as a teaser for um, the next episode? Yeah, that might be a good idea. We could idea, hold it Steph. over. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, we wanted to make sure, because I think, uh, isn't Alan here with us in the, um, in the live, no. live audience, I think? Uh, I think he was. I think didn't you say so, Liz, that he was here? No, I did not. Oh, you did not say that. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, I, I don't think I would have started this if I had oh shoot, I misunderstood what you said to me. Yeah. No, I said not, Glenn was. I said Well, Glenn I know you was. said Glenn was, and we got that one. 
Yeah. So obviously, in addition to my eyesight failing, my ears are failing. <laughs> Your ears are going too. <laughs> it's, I'm just a mess. A big, it's all downhill mess. View. Well, here, that is a teaser because I really do want to spend some time with this yeah. because I was just amazed at, you know, because I do remember us talking about this shortly after it happened. And we're going like, what, what the heck happened here? How did they, how did they lose their flight controls and, and engines and everything else? And wow, how did they manage to get that thing back down on the ground and nobody got hurt? Well, some minor injuries, but I think, you know, everybody lived through it and the airplane at first they thought was going to be just fine. (laughs) It looked like it until they inspected it a little bit more closely and then they realized that there was so much damage to it that they had to write it off and i think it, it's now being used as somebody's uh, emergency like a special special forces training or whatever you know like how to do a commando raid on a on an airbus 320 but um anyway really really interesting stuff and it just it all started from a, another little teaser the wrong type of oil used to lubricate a very small like backup cylinder in the um in the pitch hmm. system yeah, it's a micro switch basically a mi- yeah micro switches yeah and it, it's more to come uh, i think show. wouldn't you agree nick very very interesting how all these things it, it lined is, up sadly i know nothing about this particular flight control system because it was a very early one and uh, bears little relationship to the ones that I flew, but I had a read, and I think we could probably talk about it. Yeah. Uh, it, it is an interesting one. It would make quite a good plane tale, actually. Yeah, it, it probably could. Should we not even talk about it then? <laughs> no, no. Yeah, let's talk about it. It's okay, more fun that way. We're going to talk about it on the next show. So stay so tuned. Particularly when he gets the gear up and then plunks the airplane back on the runway and wrecks both engines. I think that's quite an exciting bit. Yeah, but, you know, he, I mean, I, I think that at the moment that all that was happening, it was like he couldn't really, gra- nobody could grasp what the issue was. And, you know, I don't know. I, well, I think they had a fair idea on account of the fact they'd had multiple failures, which they just okay. blithely reset. God's oh, gift to Airbus pilots here. <laughs> I'm going. You had how many primary flight control failures, and then reset it and carried on regardless. What? Why? Stay yeah. tuned. Well, you know, it'll be an interesting Stay discussion tuned for another week. It'll be. A, this is going to be a good discussion. I'm yeah, I think it will. This. It will. Yeah, anyway, thank you, Alan. You're on two. Your one piece of feedback made it to two episodes of APG. I mean, mm-hmm. I can't think of anything that would be more important in your life. Except for maybe marriage and birth of children and other things. Okay, so it's not that big of a deal. Sorry. Okay, <laughs> let's tell you about it's wrap up time. Wrap up time. Uh, this is when we talk to you about going to the website airlinepilotguide.com. Oops. Uh, there you go. It's on the screen if you're watching us on video. Airlinepilotguy.com is our website, and it has a lot of information there. Information about the crew, the community, Nick's um, enhanced and um, expanded information regarding the plane tales. Uh, we have uh, the APG the library. The YouTube link for the show. Pardon me? 
YouTube link for the show. YouTube link for the show. APG Library, our librarian, Tiffany, manages that. Thank you, Tiffany. Um, we have merchandise. We have information about the coffee fund. The APG community calendar is there as well. All that stuff and more uh, is there. Airlinepilotguide.com. Check it out. And uh, we're also on social media. And I like to call it, because I'm an old geezer, social media. None of the kids call it that anymore. I know. But that's cool. That's right. I'm not a kid. <laughs> but if you're a fan of the social meets, you can find us on Twitter, Twitter, Twitter.com or the app on your phone or wherever you choose to access that wonderful site. We are at APG Crew and we've got all of our individual Twitter information pinned to the top of that page if you would like to contact us individually. You can also head over to Facebook.com slash Airline Pilot Guide. Uh, lots of community uh, interaction there, folks hanging out, sharing different aviation topics and, and ideas. And uh, sometimes I share Captain Nick's wonderful artwork to our Instagram page. That's uh, APG Crew on Instagram. And if you want a deeper dive into the community at large, might I recommend Slack? And none of the kids are there. Just let me no, that's definitely not for the kids. No. That's All right, let me turn on the secret <laughs> hidden microphone in the... Uh, the- Hey, hello, hello, Slack. Okay, but I'm dripping wet. Uh, that's all right, I know. Um, but you know, just grab Jeff, a towel. This is what? my private time. I, sorry. Would you let me finish up two for once? Oh my. <laughs> you know, you probably should have done that before you did the shower. All right. Well, he's going to tell us now about Slack. APG listeners, please join us on our Slack team. Slack is a communication, coordination, and sharing platform that works on your mobile, laptop, or browser. On Slack, we share news and ideas. We suggest episode and plain tales topics. We plan events and meetups. To get into the Slack team, please email me at slack at airlinepilotguy.com. That's S-L-A-C-K, Sierra Lima Alpha Charlie Kilo at airlinepilotguy.com. Or send me a tweet with your preferred email address to at Hillel, and I'll send you an invitation. That's Hillel, spelled Hotel India 11 Echo 1, and see you in Slack. Thank you, Hillel. Always great to have you tell us about slack and thank you so much for setting that up and managing it and uh, let's see oh well of course we can't forget about the most important person on our crew and (laughs) that uh, don't laugh liz we we mean it the most important in our crew is the person that you hardly hear unless you're listening to the audio only podcast and you can hear her very witty uh, little quips and uh, that of course is our producer director liz piper in Ontario, Canada. Hey. <laughs> Thanks, Liz. Yay. And honestly, she does a lot of work between shows and while we're doing the show. So, um, oh, shoot, I need to set that up so it fades out instead of doing that. Oh, well. Uh, thank you, Liz, for everything that you do, and I really mean it. And we love you, and uh, we love all of you listening and downloading and giving us reviews and all that jazz. And next time wishing you all clear skies and limited visibility and tailwinds take care and god bless cheers y'all we'll see you next time bye everybody yeah he's up in the sky it's the airline pilot guy good day
used to be such a good, good pilot Till I started APG I opened doors for little old ladies I helped them to their seats Airline, not a guy I fly I'm always flying I just don't have the time But I can land this old plane I can land it just fine